Hello and welcome to PlayStation Unchained. You know, I know we got rid of numbers, but we're getting close to 250. Ooh, we're old. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me <laughs> Fine, I'm old. Everyone else here is kids. I've just time traveled them forward so they can talk and then I'll send them back. <laughs> I don't know if that's even worse, but okay. Yeah, I think there's an RPG plot point that's exactly that. I can't remember which one, though. It's called Chrono Trigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of my video games. It's at least six ongoing anime series, I'm sure, that do the same too. Yeah. <laughs> Once you can check the problem, it's stick a podcast. Uh, um, so, yeah, stuff has happened. It's the end of the year. And of course, at the end of the year, we've got to talk about games we liked because by contract, we have to do it or we will be murdered. Mm. It's true. Very um, true. By the video game police. Um, That's why you always read the terms <laughs> and service. You don't just skim through it and click, I agree. Anyway. You gotta read it. That's a Chris here, and if you had read it and agreed, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I read it and agreed. I'm just saying, in hindsight, it's important <laughs> to read those things so you don't end up like us. Yes. So or read anyway. it so you can become like us. Chris, <laughs> Yo, I was trying to introduce you up? with that. <laughs> and, and you did a great job, and that's why I responded. How are you doing, man? Wonderfully, I am doing fantastic, which is a far cry from well, not doing so well, I suppose. Far cry, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I should have saved that because I could have <laughs> led into it with our uh, with something somehow, but yeah, yeah, I'm here and I'm glad to be here and I'm happy that we have uh, some people back too that I have sorely missed. Oh, yes, and yeah, I'm excited for this one. So, Gary, how are you doing, my mate? I'm just peachy, man. I'm just peachy. I'm excited to be you hate video games? Is it like your I hate video it's, games of the year? Yeah, award. it's the Razzie Awards to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be it. Gary should just pick the bad ones for the year. No, I, I, no, that's my job because I already have a game I'm picking that everyone else in the world will hate. It's going to be I was glorious. Looking for, um, I was looking for Metacritic uh, uh, with their um, top 10 worst yeah. games of the year by... And it's like, I reviewed that, I reviewed that, I reviewed that. <laughs> hey, but, you know, at least we all know that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is still number two as the greatest game of all time. Still. Still. Undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got our greatest fan and greatest friend and one of the people that we miss a lot on this show, Alfonso. I'm back. It's good to be back. I miss you all. It's been a, you know, a long time, a hard long time, knowing that I'm hearing the podcast for weeks on, and it's like I wish I could be back. So I'm finally happy today was the day that God and Ben's magical God powers let it happen. Yes, yes, yes. Fonzie's back, bitches. <laughs> That's right. Uh, welcome back, man. We missed you. I missed y'all too. And another person's come back for this show because we missed him and called upon him with satanic powers. <laughs> Neil Bolt. Ahoy! I am here. Now my MP's Sail drained for a year. Sailing in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my MP is draining after 16 pumps. But I don't <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you really think anything could have changed in this year? Nah. Uh, this is it. Like I said, just just listening to the podcast now and again. Still, it's like it's like being there. You know, it's like yeah. the only difference is I can't interject or. or, you, or probably, you, you probably do what I do when I listen to podcasts. I'm sometimes on, that you end up starting to talk and then realise, oh no, they can't hear me. Yeah, it's <laughs> that. I've only done it a couple of times, but I have done it. It's like no, no, that's you, wrong. You get... Don't do that. No, don't say that. Neil, you. Neil, you can just go download the podcast, edit yourself into it, and that way it's like you never left. <laughs> the bootleg <laughs> uh-huh. unchained. <laughs> and then go promote it. Like, hey, I was on unchained. <laughs> PlayStation unwinded. Well, see, what, he, what he's going to do is he's going to do that, but he's going to edit us saying answers to things that we didn't actually answer. Hey, Chris, do you like dog dick? Why, yes, I think that is a very good idea. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, dude, if I had the time. <laughs> Ben's, re- be Ben's voice is just replaced by someone quacking. <laughs> quack, quack. So... Anything on Final Fantasy, Ben? Quack, quack, quack. quack. That's very interesting, Ben. <laughs> so, games of the year. Yes, I heard that some been... video games came oh. out this year. Some. Some. some you're like, wow. Did that come out? I think like four. Four games I mean, came out? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, according to uh, my uh, Open Critic uh, page, uh, the year ended in August. Uh, and, <laughs> and I never reviewed anything again. So Yeah, that's, so, that's when the year ended. So okay. clearly, you know, Given how many reviews I've done, that, that that's it. That you can't count anything that came out after. This I didn't team. think there was anything out after August. Uh, what was it? October? Of course. Yeah. No, August. August. You know, you, uh, there was no. What, what, what games came out after August? Wow, Ben. Wow. Um, <laughs> most, most. I think was the answer. Um, I want to go with ID stealing the game. And. Um, <laughs> uh, so I guess we should talk about games of the year. Sure. I guess because everyone else is doing it, so we might as well jump on the bandwagon. Because why next, not? Ne- next week's too close to Christmas, so why not now? Yeah. Okay, who wants to go first with their first game of the year? Gary. Gary. Yeah. I get to go first. You get to go Ooh. first. Um, well, in no particular order, um, I think we're just going to do the round table. We'll just talk about a game. Yeah, talk each, about one first and then get to the next person. So yeah, um, Dragon Quest Eleven, Echoes okay. of an Elusive Age. Um, wow. Uh, it's my first 10 out of 10 game that I reviewed. Uh, fully deserved in my opinion. I've always been a huge Dragon Quest fan, uh, more so than Final Fantasy. I wish they would come out in the same, I guess, quantity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's the first return to, to single-player Dragon Quest since Dragon Quest Eight back on the PS2. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. 
uh, and it doesn't disappoint. It really doesn't. It's a very long development cycle for that team, and everything that it does is just so exquisitely masterful. It's like they take something so simple, like an old-school, traditional turn-based battle system, and improve it by allowing you to have preset attacks for each character so you don't even have to worry about fighting you can just run into an enemy and the ai will do all the work for you um i wish tim was here to talk about it as well because he absolutely loved that about the the combat system but it's all the little things that it does when you walk into a town and you see that people are all alive like they're living in this town it's like they're just walking around with a preset path you see them talking and having conversations and drinking and eating um there's parties going on on the street the festivities and it's these small details that just make you feel like you're part of that world and you know Akira Toriyama's art style, once again, is just so distinctive in, in, in Dragon Quest XI that it's, it's just so beautiful to look at. With, even when you even look at the monsters, work, the thing about Dragon Quest that's always been so great is they're able to use the exact same monsters like Final Fantasy does, but in Final Fantasy, they kind of give them these huge makeovers and changes. Um, Dragon Quest really doesn't do that, but they're still able to keep them, um, I guess, threatening in the way that they're supposed to be. Uh, yeah, you have your slimes, which are the traditional easy enemies, but for those who remember or who have played Dragon Quest in the past, some of the later enemies can be kind of terrifying to look at. And they keep them in, in this same type of art style, and they're also including more enemies. Uh, and it's just... Everything about it just resonated with me. And I wish more people had the chance to play it because Dragon Quest is always kind of overlooked when it comes out. And in a way, it's kind of their fault because they always seem to release a Dragon Quest game either during the busiest times or when there are major, major releases coming out. And it kind of hurts their sales. But yeah. It's very true because I, I, even with uh, 8, at the time it came out for me, it was not only was it a busy time in terms of games, but you got remember uh, also Neil Eight was our first Dragon Quest. I know this is it, and <laughs> I, I bought it, and just you, Gary, you just reminded me to order Dragon Quest Eleven because it was still in my back of my mind, and so I've just gone and ordered it while you were talking. Um, Yay! Yeah, because yeah, Dragon Quest Eight is one of my favorite RPGs. Yeah. Ever, Jessica's you know, the and, best. So yeah, yeah and it's. It's a lot of it. the music, you know, the art style I talked about, you know, the, the enemy designs, uh, even the stories are so well told, even though they're stories we've seen and played and experienced years and years ago. Um, they're simple stories, but yet it's the presentation and how they're presented that is just so well done. Um, and that team is so dedicated and they love their fans. I mean, Dragon Quest is so huge in Japan they have to freaking release the game on Saturdays because people would not go to school or work because they're going and playing Dragon Quest. Um, it's like a law that they have. Like if a Dragon Quest game comes out in Japan, it has to come out on a Saturday. <laughs> it's insane how huge it is over there. I wish that that same love for it, maybe not to those extremes, would be replicated here. And I think they, they try very hard. 
Um, that's the problem now, so it's a, but it has to compete with Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts puts out less games than Dragon Quest, and look how much excitement there is and the talk there is about it uh, every time any game comes yeah. out. Even when it's the same game for the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth time, it, it still has far more you know, talk about it online than a Dragon Quest, which is so annoying. Because you know, even with this big gap between eight and, and eleven, you know, like that, we've not you know, we've had the uh, the Builders series, uh, the Hero series. You know, so we've had a whole bunch of games that have been really charming and great. I mean, last year I think you picked um, Dragon Quest Builder. When that came out, that's one of your games of the year. Yeah, it was a great game. It was Minecraft and with a story. That, that's pretty much what it was, and it was great. It had direction. It allowed you to build, you know, small and go big. Whereas in Minecraft, it's like, here you are, go do whatever the hell you want without yeah. no direction. And that's why I love Builders so much is because it gave you direction. Yeah, it does. Very good uh, in that regard. And even the Heroes games are quite fun. You know, for Musos. Mm. They're one of the more enjoyable Muso games uh, out there. And so, yeah, it's a series that deserves more. It's sort of kind of like Yakuza. It, it bubbled under for a long time. But Dragon Quest, uh, you know, it just hasn't quite had that, that bump like Yakuza did. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, little renaissance but that's probably because like i said in this country i know as ben says we just don't get it very often yeah and, and yeah that's a shame it's it's in a way it's kind of like a period back then where we didn't really get rpgs from anyone mm. to be honest until it did... wasn't until like the ps1 where rpgs even became a genre in england at least in europe yeah i mean and even then you'd, you'd get yeah. those much later because yeah. you know Oh yeah, I remember waiting like a year and a half. I think it was for Fantasy Eight. Uh, people screech about like three days difference between uh, countries these days, and it's like, yeah, well, try waiting eighteen months. <laughs> and then out. technically, yeah, people ask, fifty pounds is so expensive. I'm like, look, I'll show you my box copy of Sonic 3D, which still actually has the price on it, which was seventy pounds. Eesh. And I was in the nineties, so. And sixty-four games were eighty bucks where I lived here. I remember yeah, seeing were... um, Donkey Kong uh, for the N sixty-four being a hundred pounds. Jeez. And you got remember wow. that was when um, one pound equaled two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely ain't that now. <laughs> no, it's not that now. One pound might equal one dollar. <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah, Dragon Quest XI, um, I put over 200 hours into that game, and I still haven't done everything. Uh, there's an insane amount of content in that game, and kudos to them, because everything just functioned properly. I believe they released one patch uh, at a much later date after the game came out to, to fix some, I believe it was a save issue people were having, but other than that, it was, in, it was a, a flawless game to me. Um, yeah. And Fans of JRPGs in particular, I think, definitely need to play Dragon Quest XI because it is a masterpiece, and I called it probably the best RPG or JRPG I've ever played, and it kind of is. Your, your quote exactly was possibly the greatest RPG of all time. Yeah. And that, they and, used that in the, well, what do they call it, the accolades? Uh, yeah, it was in a lot of promotions, yeah. Well, yeah. I, 
I stand by that. Uh, I through and through, I had a huge smile on my face. There are some parts where I was sad because story sequences happened. Uh, there's definitely going to be some heartbreak in there, um, but it was it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal game that people definitely need to pick up and, and try out. Good cool. Good cool. It's one of those I had to catch up with. Um, yeah, I'm not going to catch up with it this year. Um, <laughs> by the time I get it, I've still got other games to finish, but Mm-hmm. It's definitely on the list to, to catch up with. I say that now and I'll be like, oh, January, I'm doing well with this. And then, oh, shit. But, but the great thing is, it is coming to the Switch. So, uh, so. But is it, to be fair, though, you've got to remember, though, the original Switch version was going to be based on the 3DS, wasn't it? No. No. Uh, they had uh, nine, wasn't it? But, or eight. No, they, they, they announced it as Dragon Quest XI S. Yeah. So people thought it was going to make the small version, but they have refuted multiple times that they're saying this is going to be the full Dragon Quest 11 experience on the Switch. I believe, I believe they're more than anyone making a Final Fantasy. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll go to yeah. Chris now. Oh, boy. <clears throat> um, so, game of the year. I hate to say it this year, I haven't played a whole lot of games. Like, I haven't even checked out the new Spider-Man or RDR2. Yet, so I'm. <clears throat> forgive me if I'm a little uh, out of uh, touch with current number ones. However, for me, the game that I did play this year, that is uh, my game of the going to be my game of the year, is God of War. <clears throat> it was just such a good beautifully, choice, boy. Yeah, <laughs> it was just such a beautiful. And not to take anything away from Dragon Quest, but th- I think there's a certain niche group that loves both of those games, like me and Gary. Um, God of God of War is, I think, more appealing to the masses for obvious reasons, which we just talked about. How you know, Dragon Quest is kind of like God of War over in <laughs> Japan. Uh, for us here, it's almost uh, seems well. I guess everybody here is into Fortnite now, but um, in the U.S., I mean. But yeah, God of War just had such everything. Just felt so perfect about it, and and we discussed this before about how heavy the the combat felt and you could like feel the the you know Kratos' strength basically in your hands um you know with the heavy hits of the axe down to the animations to the storyline to the twists and turns i i mean it's uh, <clears throat> it's it's showing that that you can take an old franchise make a bunch of uh you know sequels and prequels in that and still reinvent it and 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 bring it forward into a new era, into a new light, change everything for the better. And we've seen that with a couple of franchises this year. Um, I haven't had a chance to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, but it sounds like that's a great contender for Game of the Year as well because of how they've reinvented the Assassin's Creed uh, um, brand that was even better than Origins. I, I mean, am I, I haven't played it, but you guys hear that have. Well, how was it? Yeah. Uh, from, from the from the little I played about like maybe three hours. I think it's a great and tremendous improvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going yeah. full RPG now is the best thing that franchise could have done. Yeah. Unfortunately, it came out not far enough away from Red Dead. I mean, where it was like, I I wanted to finish it before Red Dead came out because I knew it would be very difficult to go back. It has proved to be the case. Uh, <laughs> but then I, I finished neither, so, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I played significant amount. Of it. But yeah, Odyssey is very. Good. 
Or yeah, yeah, and so and there, there's another good point too. Rockstar still knocking it out of the park with RDR two. Mm. Um, it's it's I feel like a lot of the game games of the year on this account are um, real improvements on series that we've grown and loved, and not just okay. you know another another year another Call of Duty or another year another Assassin's Creed or whatever. Like we got some really quality games this year and. And I can only throw my, my name in the hat for God of War this year because I haven't had a chance to play some of the other big blockbusters. But, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, that would be uh, my first choice and really only choice in the matter. <laughs> and you, you, you know, Tim, I... Or, God, wow. Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're blending together, finally. <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, uh, the thing about God of War is everything was against that game. Like, when they first showed it off, and it was behind-the-shoulder camera, and Kratos doesn't have his chains of Olympus anymore, it's an axe, uh, people thought it was going to be this huge escort mission, like, people were really against it. Oh, yeah. And nobody really thought what we got was what we were going to get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is funny, because it wasn't the only thing that happened this year because you remember the spider-man puddle controversy oh my god <laughs> no which now does, is, doesn't the game puddle. have a puddle filter as well in photo mode yeah yeah you <laughs> now too can add extra puddles the knee jerk it can be on social media but yeah uh, everything was against it and it battled through all these odds and cory balrog after his, you know, work on God of War 2, he was so dead and tired. Like, he quit making games after God of War 2. Um, <laughs> and he just barely came back. And he's like, okay, let's do God of War again. And, you know, you hear all the things and all the talk about how Sony was going to cancel God of War because it was in terrible shape. Uh, Shui Yoshida, I believe, said it, that he was not looking forward to it at all and they wanted to cancel it um and they didn't they they stuck with him he and he gave us probably the best god of war game ever made oh here's a yeah. little fact yeah. by the way that i remember that not many people might know you know that god of war originally started off as a microsoft game they, uh, they pitched it to microsoft before they pitched it to sony uh but microsoft turned it down i can't remember the exact reason why but microsoft turned it down the first god of war because it wasn't another Halo, probably? No, it was something to do. It was too much like another franchise. Oh, my God. But don't worry. <laughs> they, have that, they have that game with the Roman soldier in it, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Rise? Riz. Riz. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... the, fact, the fact we're debating it says a lot. Um, yep. Steve the Roman yeah, no. was no, my they... favorite Roman. <laughs> yeah, what, what what they're able to accomplish with, with this new God of War is not something I, I could see them accomplishing with how they were planning. Like, the combat obviously was the big thing. You looked at it and you're like, oh man, it's not going to be this brutal, visceral, fast-paced combat anymore. And <laughs> it, was... it may not have been as fast-paced as the old God of Wars, but it was still brutal, visceral, and it worked tremendously well. Yeah, oh yeah, see that's what I mean. The heaviness, you just the combat was so flawless. You just felt every single 
uh, attack. Like I just they got the animation, the sound, the 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 execution, the real like everything was just so fine tuned to deliver that experience that that that's you could see where that extra time went and it paid off. And it was still brutal as hell executing the the uh, the what were they the werewolf dudes like when yeah. he grabbed him from the jaw and ri- basically ripped the jaw off along with the front of his chest. Like, yeah, and, and, and that's just, like the still, most yeah. yeah, that's the most violent kill he has. Like he's not as viciously violent. Like he's not tearing out eyeballs and stuff like that. But it's still like you said. It feels so brutal because of the sound design and the animations. Like you said, the heaviness, it still feels yeah. super violent, even though visually it's not as violent as it was in the past. But again, good there, because yeah, with the story itself, they make that tie-in of why he's not as violent. He's got to pet his boy. Boy. <laughs> yeah, he was the example that, you know, Christ, he, he's holding back a, a lot of that game, and that, that is what's so masterful about the story with God of War is that yeah, he's never quite punching his weight, so to speak. And he's just he an old, tired, angry, still yeah. kind of angry god, and he's just he's just done with all this shit. Yeah, he like, just like wants to live us. his life, and nobody's letting him just be him. Nobody's letting him just be peaceful. He just wants to go like fish he... and <laughs> relax in the wilderness. <laughs> See, God of War did another thing, too, that I want to touch on, that it's, um, I love games, see, Gary and I talk about, like, little stuff in games all the time, but I love games that, uh, we used to have things like environmental kills a lot Mm -hmm. in games, and you don't see that as much anymore, but God of War in the, uh, what were they, the mists, the the, the mist area, I forget what it was called, yeah, Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, uh, you could actually use traps against enemies. Like, I, I had a witch teleport away from me into one of where, into one of, like, the slamming wall traps in there. And she just, she wore back there and then got crushed. I saved the video. I've been meaning to upload. I was dying laughing. It was like, oh my god, she killed her. She, she was giving me such problems. Like, I just couldn't fucking hit her. This one witch was just driving me mad. And to see that and get that kind of, like, Refreshing, just just vindictive nature. Oh, dude, and uh, games that allow for things like that, like uh, like Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption Two, the randomness of it, the random chance. Uh, a lot of our number one games of all time seem to have kind of that common thing, and I just wanted to bring it up because things like that are are what really help add to the game and give it that extra nudge to like perfect tens. I feel, and they are the little things like that. <clears throat> so. Um, you know, that, that you have a certain set of rules that apply to everybody, and you don't have, like, bad glitches that, that oh, why didn't this kill that enemy, or or why didn't this work when it should have been consistently working? Like, these, these perfect games that have been coming out, these ones we're talking about for Game of the Year, um, have that, in addition to everything else that we're loving about it. And so I don't, but by far, I don't think us, like always, any criticisms of any of these Games of the Year um, fall short of of taking away from the experience. So I don't think it's unfair of us to say that Dragon Quest Eleven was a perfect 10, or that God of War was a 9.5 or perfect 10. And so that's why it's really hard to compare all of these, even to ones that I haven't played. Oh, um, just, just my two cents on it. But, the, but yeah, dude, just, that, that's God of War, man. That was just a, a triumph. In my, and I feel it's deserving of Game of the Year, for sure. Um, 
I will, I will add to that. Um, and you were talking about details. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of my favorite details in any game is, is how the soundtrack is incorporated into this. Yes. I think we talked about this when, uh, a while back, but um, uh, particularly the, the fight with the dragon in that game, the way the soundtrack kicks in just at the end of that fight in the right way is just, it, it's an air punch sort of moment sort of soundtrack. It, the way it clicks is, is amazing. And, and the game is full of little moments like that where the soundtrack just does beautiful things with, with what is going on in the story or, or a set piece. And yes. Yeah. Sound design is its, is its own art form too. Any, yeah. any type of sound design. I mean, my, my God, can you imagine trying to create scores of original tracks and, and uh, then you have the Foley artists coming in with all their sounds and then you as the sound designer in the engine have to put this all together and get the timing perfect with the programmers yeah. and that. There's just such a beautiful art and a balance of teamwork here to create yeah. these masterpieces that, yeah, just oh, don't, out, don't ever let it go unnoticed that you as a game player, that's why we love it. We appreciate these forms of art. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it elevates many a game for me to have that sort of soundtrack. It, it just in my opinion, that's why uh, I know it's a different game, but that's why Sokan from the Fantasy Fourteen development team is probably, in my opinion, one of the best developers I ever know because he he did he's done pretty much every song in that game, and they have like thousands. And he's wow. like, yeah, it's like holy shit, that job's just crazy. And he also did a video about him fighting a robot to sell a pencil. So that also made me happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it. I can't, I can't find the video link, but uh, it's like these people dressed in like really like cardboardy star robots, and they start attacking him, and he's like, "Go buy these pencils," and then starts fighting the robots. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's probably one of the better soundtracks of the year. I have to say, or score something. That's without a doubt, and that that again just helps elevate an already great game to to the level where it's been neck and neck with that this year for me in terms of being game of the year. I mean, in terms of games I finish, definitely game of the year. But yeah, it, it is uh, fantastic uh, as a whole. That game. Oh yeah, that that that's all I've got for like any of my <laughs> viable game of the year. Uh, and because I like I said I haven't played that much else, but uh, but yeah, I guess. Uh, Sorry, Chris, I've got like eighty games. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to pick them. indie games. So that's fine. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> backlogs, dude! The backlog just keeps growing and growing and growing. Oh, oh, I do want to throw a, a shout out for Fighter of the Year. Um, okay. One. Uh, yes, fine, fine. I will shut up. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you have the fighter. I probably know what it is. Yeah. Don't yeah. you damn well fucking go saying oh, I haven't got any games and then try and pick two. Come on. <laughs> I don't have any games except for these ten. Okay, sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't that, that was the only. I just forgot about it until I, I looked back over at my don't little list. These any hey. games except for these ten. I'm going to list in order. Oh my god. This. 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 Ah, uh, I apologize. Please continue. Um, Alfonso. <laughs> you, My pick is Marvel Spider-Man. I was going to pick God of War, but 
we we know we we know what we expect from God of War is Kratos. Even though he got toned down, he's still gonna be a violent person who's gonna wreck everything that he sees. I was a little skeptical with Spider Man because we know what's under Insomniac's belt, Pyro and and Ratchet and and then um Resistance. So wasn't too sh- sure about it, but seeing what Gorilla did with Horizon. I started to be more positive, and they hit it out the park. To me, it's a perfect 10 out of 10. There's, there's no bad moments in that game. A lot of shocking moments, surprise moments, moments that made me feel very emotional towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, I love the, the variety of suits that they give you, and each suit has their own ability, like their own special skill. That, that was a nice twist. Um, yeah. It's one of the best Spider-Man games I played because it reminds me a lot of Spider-Man 2 based off the, the swinging mechanics. They referenced that a lot. It was a, there was a lot of hints that they throw towards between Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Um, the story was great from beginning to end. Um, I didn't like the little side missions with Mary Jane and Miles. That, that was tedious and boring. And the the hacking mechanics that you have to use to help Peter figure out formulas and other stuff like that. That was also boring. Usually I just skip it because it was getting frustrating. You, you already know I do not like puzzles. I hate puzzles. <laughs> it takes too much time. That's but um crazy. that's crazy. Say, are you crazy. are you Tim? <laughs> Tim knows it. <laughs> Tim knows this. Tim knows it, yeah. But um I like that they to follow the root horizon. They added DLC. I didn't get to finish. I'm still like in mid, the mid of DLC number two. I didn't get to finish because another game is taking up my time. Smash, Gary, you know what I'm talking about. But um, represent. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I I recommend anyone who hasn't played it go and play it. It's, it's a brilliant game. But it was Spider Man or Smash. Spider Man. <laughs> 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 Spider-Man. 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 I, I need to go is, back. Is it, that sounds like a fun game. Spider-Man or Smash? <laughs> hey, Neil. Neil, Spider-Man or Smash? Ooh. Yeah, it depends on my mood, really. Yeah. <laughs> they're, both very, they're both very sexual acts. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, Spider-Man was just... It was... The only game that lived up to expectations in some ways. So, so, uh, some games went above, some went below, but it, it that game was just like, hit the spot. It wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, it, it is very, you know, in terms of its structure, it is very much like uh, many other games, but it has that swinging. It has Spider-Man. It has that history to it, and it makes it fun to play. It's, you know, that, gets left behind a lot of end of year lists is you know oh yeah this game had a rich narrative blah um you know this is a game that was fun to play yeah that's the whole point of games is being fun sometimes i know not every game has to be fun in order to be a great game but this was a joyous trip you know It, it made it worth going through and worth going for that platinum it's no wonder it's one of the most platinum games out there you know, in terms of because it, it just compels you to do it. it 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 was so easy to go through and, and have fun with and I, I i regret no time spent with that game 
And it, and yeah, it's still like not even the best. The best. Recording because I don't think I'm part of the old one. I'm still having issues. I don't know if y'all get this. Um, okay. Huh? What was that, Gary? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be able to record this. Okay. Um, Wait, what happened? About shoes and not being able to record it. Yeah, something came up on your audio there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Really? My mic was <laughs> muted. <laughs> you hear me now? <laughs> like, like, it unmuted, and, and we heard, I don't know if you'll hear this recording, but I want you to know, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? My mute button's not working. What's going on, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. I don't want to record this, but we recorded it. Oh, no! Twists. Twists. Uh, oh, the mute button on my microphone is not working with Discord. That's weird. I wonder why that is. I'm sorry about that. Please continue. No, I need entertainment. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, as I was saying, it's not even the best Spider-Man thing the year. But that's just because it's been a very good year for Spider-Man. You know, you know, his inclusion in Infinity War was very impactful. Enter, yeah, into the spider. I don't feel so very. I don't feel very good, Neil. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel very good, Neil. Well, you know what, Ben? I feel very good about Into the Spider Verse, which is just... <laughs> which is in cinemas right now. Go check it out. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Unless you live in Scarborough, then go check it out in 2020. It's better than that Flash Gordon ripoff that's called Aquaman. So that's what uh... we need to. Oh my god. Wait there, Aquaman's a Flash Gordon ripoff. In the sense that it is awful enough to be cheesy and can be good. I kind of uh, want to see it now, but I'm not going to flesh. because I'm lazy. Ah. Aqua! <laughs> ah. <laughs> Savior of the fishies! Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a smaller side. But I know that there are DC fans that are really over the top about how good movies are. <laughs> Batman versus Superman. Um, yeah. But yeah. You know, when I, when I mute myself, that doesn't mean I mute the mic from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Gary getting all 1930s New York gangster there. <laughs> Uses. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Every DC movie ever made. But I, I honestly saw someone earlier go, this could be kids of this generation, it could be their Star Wars. It's like, really? Come on. Come on. So it's fun, but no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. It, it, it's like a very low bar was set with and this jumps over it without knocking the bar despite kicking the bar with its foot. So, yeah, you know. It's anyway, and aside. Um, anyway, yeah, Spider-Man, the game, very good. Good fun. Somehow, probably not in my top 10 of the year. But then, like I said, 80-odd 80, 80 games this year. So, understandable that it wouldn't be quite up there. Uh, anyway, anyone else wants anything to say on the old Spider-Man? I would, but I'd get attacked. Spider-Man. No, no, Gary, please. <laughs> please no, no, no. No, I don't do want it. to. Do it, Gary. Say no, words. Neil, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is my turn, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose I should have a turn. 
Uh, that is fair. I am here. Ooh, what do I pick? I, I've got so many. I I don't know whether to pick the the uh, obscure ones or not. Um, okay. Um, I mean, I, I know I can't pick some because they're Switch games or PC games. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter, though. Well, it does for a podcast <laughs> exclusively about My game of the year this year was Super Mario Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did like the gears. Uh, right, so one of my picks in terms of games. Uh, let's go for Tetris Effect first, I think, uh, as my first pick. Because very easy to forget it, despite you know getting such great reviews and everyone loving it. Wow, you know, even without the VR, it's the perfect reinvention of Tetris, which is a hard thing to do because Tetris itself is very pure and honestly one of the best video games ever, simply on the fact that it is flawless in its design you know you can't really technically you're not supposed to be able to better tetris <laughs> you know and you, here they don't try that really it's like here is tetris we had a little thing here and there we know we can't mess with that too much but we can add to it and adding to it here is uh taking lumine lumines or lumines whatever you want but and putting that into the mix in terms of uh, Tetris to a soundtrack, you know, and, and putting it that way. And just having the visuals represent that. The VR is the icing on the cake. It goes from being a really fucking good game of Tetris to being a euphoric game of Tetris. You know, it's a thing that is like, bloody hell, this is something I've never experienced in my life before. This is amazing and it's fucking tetris it's tetris and i'm here in 2018 screaming this is tetris and it's one of the games of the year it, how is that possible and it, it's not like it's saying a, a detriment game that came out this year uh, well i think gary might have a theory what uh, as as to why it that that is the case for neil that he's screaming it's tetris in 2018 why would that be gary because it's I don't Tetris. Know. Why that be? Yeah, I mean, he, he already talked about it. Tetris. <laughs> uh, te- what, you want to say because it's Russian? No, no, I just. No, no, no. <laughs> Tell us, man, who came from Russia about the Tetris game. You must know the people who made it. <laughs> no, for, listen. For, for once, making fun, of, making fun of your culture was not part of my joke here. No, you, ha- you love Tetris. Yes, I, I love hearing you talk about Tetris all the time, anytime. And mm-hmm. and you have said multiple times that Tetris is the greatest puzzle game of all time. Yes. And and like what Neil's saying right here is 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 a testament to that. A testament to this yeah. never dying um thing that will, will probably go down in generations at, like chess or go, where it's just something that lives on now forever, long after we're dead. Yeah. I can't wait till 8K Tetris. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true, man. I, I've always said it. Tetris, in my opinion, is the greatest puzzle game ever made. And yeah. like you've said, like every every year, like Nintendo has done Tetris with their Mario games. 
they had it on the DS, and that was still fun. Sonic um, had Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. No, that's more. I think, again, oh, yeah. I think I brought it up a couple of years ago when I said Poyo Poyo Tetris was, was just a great game, you know, it, even though it was a mix of things, because Poyo Poyo, I have a soft spot for Poyo Poyo anyway, and Tetris as well is then there, and it, it melds quite beautifully together, but this is just like a whole other level. Yeah, it's, and, it's a flawless design of blocks falling and you putting them in the positions to destroy, you know, a solid layer. Like, its design is flawless. And you can try to add stuff to it, but it, in a way, sometimes it breaks that flawless design and it gets yeah, in the way of it. Uh, see Ubisoft's uh, last attempt at doing Tetris, which was Yeah, awful. but they also added microtransactions, so. <laughs> Do you want to buy a left block? They didn't. Come on, Ben. Don't be nuts. Oh, God. Can you imagine that? 99 cents per per straight line. The mobile version did have microtransactions, though. I I was talking about the the PS4 version that came out. Uh, That was... The one I tried to wipe from my memory. Yeah, it was was a broken game, to be honest. And how do you break Tetris? It's because you meddle with it in the wrong ways. Not by adding anything to it, but by taking away. And that, that was the problem with Ubisoft's version of it. Here, it's like, we won't mess with Tetris as it is. It's still there. But we'll add a few aesthetic things. And, and it really works because they add this whole audiovisual element to it that just makes it something captivating, spellbinding even. And yeah, like I said, with the VR, it's just... You have to actually play it to really understand. And I saw it on Twitter in the weeks after it came out with people who are very cynical about it going, all right, it's Tetris. How how could it be this great like that? And like, I mean, it was an ongoing joke a couple of people made on their Twitters, which, like, uh, you know, me before I played you know, Tetris Effect, it's like, oh, you know, come on, it's just Tetris. How can it be this? And then afterwards, like, oh, my God, my life has changed. You know, that sort of thing. It It's... Honestly, just jaw-dropping how fantastic it, that game becomes. And I, I'm i a sucker for puzzle games with a soundtrack. That's why I, I like Lumens. That's why I like uh, Chime, Chime and Chime Sharp, that sort of stuff. Because I love puzzle games that are soundtrack-based. And this just outstrips anything that's been done before in that, in that sort of cross-genre thing. And yeah, yeah, I was hopeful for it. You know, again, another game like we were saying well, recently. Another game I was very hopeful for, very happy that it, it turned out all right. But just never ready for how bloody well it turned out. It was just uh... how can you? It's yeah. over a thirty-year-old game. Like, how can you yeah. expect it to still captivate people? And yeah, you know, they've but, done it. But it's because. It had the help of probably the maker of the best modern puzzle game in Lumine series, you know, to help make it. And that's why it's so good, because it's someone who understands puzzle games, who is influenced by Tetris, making a game of Tetris with their own ideas and style and putting the two together so beautiful that, you know, like I said before, the fact that it merged well with Poyo Poyo. And that was a fun game, 
not always great, but it, it was it worked really well. Here, it's like wow, it, it's the peanut butter and jelly, I suppose, if you will, uh, for American audiences. Uh, it, it's just like you can't believe no one thought to put these things together before, and. Yeah, it is the proper evolution of a game, as you say, Gary, that is 30 years old. And that's amazing, because not many games get that. I think Pac-Man's had its moment, you know, where it's you know, been reborn. Uh, even Mario has, in his 2D space, has been reborn and done new things with it. But this, this is, just, for something so simple, it's amazing how well this was done. done. And, yeah. In a good year for VR, this game is good anyway, but adding that VR element just makes it you know, one of the best VR experiences out there. Headphones on, VR headset on. Honest to God, you will be changed by this. the experience that is Tetris Effect. In my, that's the way I feel about it. And that, that's all I've got to say about it, because I've just been repeating myself over and over again. <laughs> it's a fitting name for it, too, the Tetris Effect. Yeah, and you know Such what? It's a perfect fit for that game because it is. It's an effect. It, it, it captivates you. It's an effect. Like it's, yeah. But it's it also tired. works on the level of the of what the Tetris effect actually is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, a soundtrack that just does the job. You know, it really hits home and does everything you would hope. And again, I guess I'm a sucker for a great soundtrack in a game, and that soundtrack is just. Probably my favorite soundtrack, without a shadow of a doubt. So yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my first pick. For, for those of you that don't know what the Tetris effect is, it's also known as Tetris Syndrome, and where mm. if you do something so much, you start to see those same patterns in your life, like visually, and you have dreams about it and shit like that. You know, yeah. you have to start have dreams of work and shit, but it comes from Tetris because that was like the most pronounced effect on people. So yeah, that, to, to name to name such a great game after something that itself made culturally relevant over thirty years ago, I, I think was just every it, see everything was perfect about this game and its release. <laughs> I just love layers on layers of references, and and they, they, these guys know what they're doing. Like you said, Neil, it was just yeah. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but you've absolutely sold me on it with your with your passion about it. I really want to check it out now. Yeah, it, it just in a, in a very good year, and there were just so many good games this year. And it's it's the most surprising because, like I said, you, you know Tetris will be good if done right, but for it to just transcend like this is yeah. Now, like, if 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 that game ever comes to Switch, I don't think I'll play any other. Like that'll always be on my Switch playing all the time. Definitely. But like I said, even without the VR, it's a very good game. Whoever said that, I agree with you. Whatever you said. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that's my... So I suppose we're going around again for the next... Oh, Ben. We forgot Ben. Ben. <laughs> ben. Sorry, the Ben. doesn't get pick a game. It's fine. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, I haven't played many games this year, as people know, but I'm going to go with Kabounce. Kabout. It's a small, like, indie developed game that where you play like a, um, basically a pinball. Uh, you got to go around the track trying to hit the, um, like, bumpers. 
Um, yeah. But the, the opponent's team can smash into you to try and steal your points off you, and they can also bump into the bumps to steal your, steal your claim. Kind of like the old skate stuff in Tony Hawk's, but with PvP included, and you play a ball. So, it's a shame it seems so dead on PlayStation, but it, do, it is one of the first games I know of that does have cross... Well, it's one of the few games that has cross-play support with the PC. So even though it's an indie yeah. game, it does have cross-play. Um, I do recommend anyone to check it out because they do do free weekends. And even though it's an indie game, they've supported with so many updates and free... Yes, it has loot boxes or loot balls, but you cannot purchase that with those with real money. And that's still the same like like six plus months later. So, yeah. Uh, it's sure. it's a good game that I do recommend everyone checking out. It's often free on Steam. Like I think they've got a free weekend coming up soon. Um, and it had a discount on Plus for a while. So, yeah, good game. It is. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone else has played it here. No, I don't think is... so. But the developers... I've only, I've only watched Chili play it a couple times on Twitch, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Which is good, though. You know, we have a game that uh, is not seen as much in this list, which makes sense. I want to give it a shout-out, because it deserves it. It's, yeah, it's got its flaws, but it's a fun game I like to go back to every so often. Agreed. So. Uh, that's fine. That's all you should do it. That's it. Yeah. And these sort of games, this like right now they've got a Christmas event where if you look, there's um, 31 days, you know, as a calendar sort of thing. And every time yeah. you can open the calendar to get a free gift. Or nice. sometimes there might be a challenge to unlock it, like today was win free matches online. And then you get nice. a gift. So. Yeah, can't go any of that. So, I suppose we move around, next round. Yeah. Back right, to so back. Gary. Back to Gary. Oh, let's see here. The big one, big one. Oh, I'm going to go with Astrobot Rescue Mission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're yeah. talking that, that, that is a game that, again, up there in a very yeah, good... Uh, Sony, if you're looking for a system seller, uh, this is it, in my opinion. Um, mm. Astrobot is the Super Mario game that PlayStation has always needed, and they got it here. Uh, you play as a little robot trying to rescue his little friends after an alien destroys your ship. And you travel to a whole bunch of exotic worlds, uh, finding all of them and defeating the bosses of those worlds. And it's just such a blast to play. And the VR is so well done. And, and the way it just works through and through, your controller is a virtual controller in the game. That yeah. has so many different functions. You can shoot out a grappling hook with it, or it has a water cannon that you can use. You just hold the touchpad, and you see it. You see your PS4 controller in the game, and it's just one of those incredible design decisions and these small touches that that game has. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous looking game in VR. Very much. Uh, the water effects. Uh, the all the little things, the little monsters they have that you can face off against, you can punch them, you can jump on some of them. It's just an incredibly well-designed game. And yeah. it's a spin-off game. It's a spin-off game from uh, the playroom. Yeah. Uh, with, with the little Astrobots. And they took something that people loved in as a small little mini-game, and they turned it into a full-on game. And yeah. 
they succeeded. And it's one of those games where I every time I, I, I look at it and I think about it, I'm like, if they had a season pass for this game, I would I would I would give them the money for it. Because I just want more of it. Man. And it's not like it doesn't have enough content. It has plenty of levels for, for you to get through. But I just want more. Yeah. <laughs> I want to keep playing more. I got the oh, Platinum Trophy. I was one of the first ones to get the Platinum Trophy before even the embargo review came out. And I was, like, so devastated because I wanted to do more. And, yeah, it's you've played it, Neil. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. And, it's, it's just so good. It's like, and I think again, like I was saying with um, Tetrospect, until you've actually played it yourself in VR, it's really hard to get across how VR really enhances it. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, just, it just really works. People are very down on third-person VR games because, it's like, well, you you want to be in the experience. It's like, no, this works because you you're there, but you're not you're not the player you know you you the, the character is there you control them and things are going on around you the fact that you can look back for secrets and look around this just ah oh, it, it, it's nuts as a game it, it's very simple and you know the playroom segment that inspired it is one of my favorite vr things you know and to have a whole game of it that just goes beyond what we had in that it's just amazing it it's just Outstanding you know, for a platformer to be this great in this day and age that isn't you know, Mario, really, you know, or, or even yeah. Rayman. It, <laughs> it, it, it's just crazy. That, those those little Astrobots are so freaking adorable too that they should be Sony's new mascot. G- Gary mentioned that to me before. <laughs> After I got the chance to, to check it out at Gary's one night, and it was yeah, those, those little bots are so adorable. Yeah, <laughs> like just. <laughs> Again, the problem lies in the fact that, that they are tied to a medium that is just, you can't understand it unless you're doing it, you know? Yeah. It's, it, which, again, this goes back to the Dragon Quest. It's like, it's just outside of the vision of most players of games, you know? It's not going to get picked up because they don't understand it. You can, you can show VR all you like, but until someone experiences it, it's not going to click. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, like, it's just such a happy game. Mm. Uh, you know, like everything is happy in that world. Like you see little plants and they have the digital smiley faces on them and you can interact with them. It's just so many things. Like It's not like the headset is just a camera. You use your head for things in the game too. You got to smash through barricades with your head. Uh, it does multiple things that like you get goo on the camera, so you gotta like shake off, yeah. shake your head to, to wipe it off. Uh, and, you can blow, and the best thing, the best <laughs> thing, you can blow a fucking dandelion. Which I still don't know how it works. I didn't know, like, I don't know, I don't understand how that works. Uh, like, is, does the VR headset have like a little microphone on it that yeah. I don't know about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. It's a microphone. It goes from the microphone on the camera, I think. Uh, um, but basically, you're asked to blow. To, like blow these dandelion things like that, and and it works. And actually, it's just a mind fucking moment because you're like, you do it, and you're like, that fucking worked. I just, I just yeah, blew. And, you're, and you're like, how? How? <laughs> what? Dandelion just fall apart. Oh it, my it's, god, it's, they're watching me. They're everywhere. Like, how? <laughs> and how many games does that actually happen with in this day and age where you, it does something? And you're like, 
that's fucking crazy. That's amazing. How did that happen? It's like, I mean, on a really logical level, you're like, okay, yeah, it, it picked up my breathing. That's what happened. But, but from where? Moment, if you're far away from the camera, you've done this thing and it, and it happens. And you've done it. And, it, and it, straight afterwards, you're thinking, shit, that worked. That worked. Like, he asked me to blow on this thing and it, and it blew on it and it worked and it did it. It, it, it just, it's so hard to comprehend. Again, unless you do it, it doesn't seem to make sense. You can't really connect with what the game's about, but you see it in the moment, you do it, and it's just, wow. You know, it's just, wow. You, you, you can't say much more about it than that. It's such a tiny detail in a game. Yeah, it's all the little details, all of them. It's like when you're just running around and then the little astrobot turns to you and waves to you. Mm. And he has this cute little smile on his face and it just gives you this huge smile in real life. You're like, oh my God, he's just saying hi to me. I love this game so much. So, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't talk, he just makes a noise. <laughs> like, what the hell? It's crazy. When, when, you, flick, when you flick him, his little, woohoo! <laughs> 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 kills me every time. Uh yeah, so it's much. great. Yeah, it's 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 the system seller in my opinion. Yeah, but again, it VR in general, you have to have people play it to understand and really. That's the only way you can sell the system, is have someone play it and, and get it. Realistically, that's the way everything is going, anyways. So I I think that eventually everybody will have a. We'll get into it one way or the other. It, it's we're going for the extreme on you know the future of immersion in video games. That's what it's always been about. Yeah, you know, we're getting the graphics perfected. Now we're getting the uh, the virtual immersion. Next thing you know, there are they've already been working on like suits and gloves that um, not shock you, but but make your muscles twitch. Yeah. Well, like if you get hit, so you know where you get hit in VR. They're making the the pad you know the pads where you can run and move in place, and it tracks how your feet are moving. So it moves your character in place. Like we're yeah. we're on the path to full immersion, and you're seeing like the the beginning of that with uh, Astrobot being the PSVR killer app, basically right yeah. now. And it yeah. is, because if if you if you strip the VR from it, it loses half of it. Half of its identity is gone. More than and, half. Yeah, probably. Like you cannot make that game outside of VR. If they re-release that game without the VR, just so people can play it. It will be terrible, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, VR Nat, is such a massive experience in that game. Nat Two would be a better game. That's how strongly VR influences Astrobot. That's not to say it's a terrible game if you don't have VR. It's just that it was designed for. Really was from the ground up. There's no like, oh, we just added VR. It is there. Yeah. Fully functional as a VR game, and that is why it is so strong. And I think it will miss out on a lot of uh, plaudits in everyone's Game of the Year lists. As a, yeah, personally, it's disgusting. I can't put it in my Game of the Year list because there's nothing horrific about that. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, in a very good year for VR games, even on, especially on PSVR, it is just adorable and wonderful. And, yeah, it... I regretted nothing about having a VR headset this year and because of games like this and Tetris Effect and the others I'm sure we'll mention down the line. Yeah, 
Yeah, it just it just puts a smile on your face when they play it. You and cannot be happy not playing that game. Yeah. So next game, Chris. Chris. Uh, okay. So yeah, now I'll now I'll throw my <laughs> my shout out in the ring for uh, uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, I just one of the best fighting games ever for me, yeah. and with one of my all-time favorite franchises, too. Like, there, there was nothing at all that I, that I didn't like about this, uh, about this installment. Arc, Arc System Works knocked it out of the park for me on this one. That, uh, that, intro, that, that intro, that music video that they have, like, I watch it every time, and that's kind of unusual because, because obviously, I don't like to watch intros. I want to get to the game, but that intro gets me pumped every fucking time. I, I started to play it. Like, uh, it, you know, the metal just kicks in, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to kick some ass today. And then the game, like, like it's fun. It has that Dragon Ball whimsy to it. Every, I think everything they got perfect for the, you know, the music, the, the, the themes, and just, you, you know, you have your little avatar, and you can run around with other little avatars. We, we talked about all this before, but I, I just, it's one of the best fighters I've ever played. Like, you can, no matter what your skill level is going into it, uh, you can learn and train up pretty quick to be able to do like some of the crazier combinations in the game, and it's very free flow. I just I'm still playing it, and I'm still trying to get good at it, and and it's just it, it means that much to me that that's why I, I've if nothing else, it's at least the best fighter of the year, and one of the best fighting games I've played since probably uh, Tekken Four. Even I was a big fan of Tekken Four. <laughs> Were you able to finish the story? What story? The story. What story? For Fighter Z. Oh, oh, oh! The like the, the can. Oh no! You know what? I didn't finish it yet. I haven't even started uh, Majin Twenty One's campaign. I, I I'm just getting to the end of uh, of uh, the uh, uh, end of the the bad guys campaign. Oh. It, mostly, I just go in and and uh, do the arcade modes and things like that. I've been meaning to get back to the story and finished it, so I need to do that so we can talk about it. <laughs> I agree with everything that you said. I agree with everything that you said, but the only thing I don't like when it comes to the story is that they allow you to use Trunks as a team, as a support character or to fight with him, but you he's not in the story particularly. That bothered me so much knowing that it has to do with the timeline. And that's Trunks' big thing. It's the only that's thing I did not like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say it. <laughs> Alfonso hates me again. Uh, no, uh, Chris, I just wanted oh to say uh, what, what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. He's going to get you in Smash, and he's going to devastate you. He probably yeah, will. <laughs> he's been practicing, so I haven't. <laughs> no, uh, I think what makes it such an accessible fighter is the fact that they made it so accessible. Anybody can go into it and play it like they're playing as a professional. Um, the fact that you can just pull off combos simply by pressing one button repeatedly. Um, and, and the master, master mastering the, that game essentially comes into how you combine your moves and your teammates because it's a three-on-three fighter. And that's really where oh, the fighters. hard work stuff really comes in. You're yes. fighters, yes. 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 So. <laughs> I wish I could find my copy because I don't know where it's gone. Wow, man. <laughs> 
But yeah, it's not it's not like this hardcore fighter. Like you would take a look at like a Tekken, and it has like seventy moves in the move list. So you got to kind of memorize it. You got to learn how to juggle stuff. This one is simple, and it's it, it really becomes you know uh, a mastering of when when you really go into the nitty gritty of it and yeah. learn to combine stuff. But anybody can go into it and have fun playing it. Yeah, that, that's that's what I, what I love about like all fighters, and then even more traditional board games like uh, uh, like like that that saying uh, "easy to learn, difficult to master" has applied yeah. to Go for generations, and that's something that even today, like in in modern video games, you the most successful games are easy to learn but challenging to master, so that anybody can have fun with it, but you can also have like tournament play with it. And and Dragon Ball Z is like a perfect example of that. As, as you said, it, oh, yeah, it's it really won, easy to it combo won the best and fighting game of the VGAs. Oh yeah, yeah. See, that's <laughs> I, well deserved. Well deserved, in my opinion, this year. Yeah, they just nailed it out of the park. I, ca I can't wait for uh, the next uh, installment or the next DLC or whatever we can we get from from them for this. Uh, why we for new, that DLC uh, for Dragon Ball? It looks like Xenoverse 2 next DLC will be in January. So. Woot! Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, I'd say. Back to Fonzie, I guess, huh? My pick is Celeste. Ooh! And, mm. yeah... I didn't finish it because, again, puzzles. Puzzles. <laughs> puzzles. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it probably doesn't have an easy platinum. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but yeah, um, the reason why I keep going back to Celeste every time I feel like I want to play is because of the soundtrack. It has to be one of the best soundtracks I heard for this year. And that's the only reason I'm going to try to finish it is, is because of the soundtrack. I, I listen to it, and it, it just gives me this feeling like I, I have to finish it, even yeah. though I'm frustrated with it at the moment because of these puzzles, but it's that soundtrack that keeps making me go back to it. That's why I'm happy that I won soundtrack of the year because that game totally deserves it. Yeah, it's a very good soundtrack. I mean, it's a, I, I'm not so keen on the game itself, personally, but I still think the soundtrack is a very good one. And it, as you say, it's a very good uh, reason to sort of plow on. But, uh, I don't know. It, it's still not, for me, the best soundtrack, but, you know, personal taste on that one, it's still soundtrack-wise. And there's a lot to like about Celeste. But yeah, it, yeah. Uh, that along with Hollow Knight is one of those games that's like, yeah, it's all right. I, I'd love to love it, but I don't. Uh, it's it's fine. I want to, yeah. I want to love it too because I want to see how it ends. But these, those those puzzles are so <laughs> frustrating. No, Gary, it's not about the platinum. Every game that I play, I have to get a platinum. Again, you're yelling at me. I don't know. <laughs> because once again, you're attacking me. No, 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 no. I was asking a question. No, you was not asking a question. You was being direct. No, I forget it. I'm done. I'm done. Move on. No, you know, Alfonso, you know what I've realized? that it, Gary, Gary is a master of gaslighting. And that's what he does all the fucking time whenever you try and talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> all of us. He does it to me all the time. 
I think I'm the only one that's the other way around with. <laughs> just right, I do it back to him, and he just gets angry. <laughs> this is a fact. This is a fact. Yeah, and then he and then he accuses you of attacking him and gaslights you right back. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, I don't deny it. So, uh, we're we're all just powder kegs sitting in a pool of gasoline, waiting for the match, aren't we? Aren't we just? <laughs> that sounds like life. Yep. <laughs> All right, Neil, your turn. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, and again, I've just got so many to pick from. This is the bad part. Um, I'm going to go with Dead Cells, actually, uh, next, because legit, one of my top three games of the year, without a shadow of the doubt. Uh, I have enjoyed this whole roguelike Metroidvania thing. I, Rogue Legacy came out on Switch this year, and in any other year, I could say, that's one of my games of the year. Yeah, you know, just because you know, it just even though it came out before played it, but that it's just it's nice to be reminded that and uh Katamari Damasi on Switch were just two very joyful moments uh, to to play a game again in in that format. But Dead Cells is like two D Dark Souls meets Prince of Persia. Uh two D print the old school Prince of Persia. And it's brilliant for that. It's just so compelling that you always start again at the beginning when you die. And that would sound like the stupidest thing ever in a game. You know, it's like, oh, okay, you died. So now you start right back at the beginning. But the way it works, obviously, is as you get the further you get, you unlock new routes, you have more abilities, you can do different things, you know what to expect. And it just plays out. You so differently each time even though you know these areas you know some things are the same each time but a lot of it is procedural so you end up taking in new areas and new enemy types and different combinations of enemies and it's great that because it's one of those great roguelike titles where you're like i'll play 10 30 minutes here do that and you know i'll, I'll add a little to my progress because of course you can spend your credits as it is and have that souls in this case and you know upgrade that thing a little bit or come closer to that upgrade and do you end up spending hours instead because you, you're like oh, okay i'll do another run i'll just do one more run i'll just do one more because i'm just so close to this one ability that i want if i do another run i might get to it. and that's how it goes so it's, it's Rogue Legacy all over again. <laughs> it, it, it really is. But it has that Dark Souls element to it where you come up against tough challenges and you're like, oh, okay, this is, I know that if I don't do this boss, for instance, I'm going to have to go all the way back to the beginning. And like I said, that should be frustrating, but it isn't. And that is a testament to the design of Dead Cells, that it, it just works no matter how many times you go back to the beginning you know, it's like, oh, it's okay. So I get to warm up again. I get to get in my rhythm again and fight my way to the point where I want to get to. I know, and then I can strategically manage how I'm going to have this, this, and this ability because you can pick stuff up along the way to, you know, you can pick up secondary weaponry that might help you with that boss battle. Uh, if you're lucky, you can also find certain recipes and stuff. And it's great. And it just carries on and on and on. And it is just like the evolution of the Rogue Legacy idea. But because it has yeah. that Prince of Persia slash Dead, you know, Dark Souls thing to it as well, 
I know it. It's the most interested I've been in that in that Dark Souls style for a while, and it's a two D game, and uh, it just it's endlessly compelling. And yeah, I will confess, predominantly, I played it on the Switch this year, but I've also played it on PS4 a lot too. You know, one of those games. I will mention another one when we get to it. That I have um, bought on multiple systems this year because I like it on the PS4, but to have the idea of playing it wherever the fuck I want is brilliant too. So that would be cool. Uh, and this is one of them. Is it Stardew Valley? No. <laughs> okay. uh, that is. No, no. Uh, just spoiler, it's definitely to Canada. Uh, we'll get to that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Death Cells is just. I mean, an indie game, you know, I, I am very much a proponent of indie games. A lot of my favorite games on all formats I've played this year. And this has been a year where I've played a lot of different formats you know, for months. In previous years, it's very much PlayStation-based. This year, I've a lot of Nintendo Switch stuff and a lot of PC stuff as well. In those regions. But Dead Cells... Whatever platform I played it on, it's just been magical and compelling. And again, it comes back to that whole thing. It feels enjoyable, fun to play, and you just want that one more go factor. And every when you just make that little bit more, it just mm, beautiful. I know it's how I felt playing Rogue Legacy on the Vita, you know, and that's why probably why it's worked better for me on Switch with, with uh, Dead Cells, but. Just and it's got a really weird, dark sense of humor about stuff as well. Because you know, your player character is basically a scented blob of green slime that attaches itself to the dead bodies of fallen warriors each time, and it, it has you know, an apathy for, for the suffering of other people and things it finds in. This I don't world. know what this game is, but it sounds amazing, it really is, and it, it it's so good. I, I see it unfairly sort of contrasted with uh, Hollow Knight because, you know, Hollow Knight's just... <sighs> Hollow Knight's the wanker's favourite, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, we must love this game more because it looks <laughs> it looks more beautiful and it's a bit more vague about it. It's like, yeah, but Dead Cells is just so much more fun. Um, that's all I want. Like, a game that's just fucking enjoyable from minute one to minute five million you know it just Hollow Knight very much left me cold in that I think it's a very confident game a very good game but I just I don't get on with it in the same way and sad as that may be but yeah Dead Cells fantastic you should just be playing that game and as much as we are a PlayStation podcast in this thing, Switch, even with its little issues in uh, performance, it, it's a perfect fit. Just don't buy perfect. Ark on the Switch. Please don't ever. No, but then don't buy Ark. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't buy Ark in general, man. <laughs> hey, I have Ark. Well, that explains a lot. Well, Ben. <laughs> uh, so you're going to explain now why you picked Ark. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm going to pick something that'll piss off even more people. I can wow, see the nice. anger. Yes. It's going to spill and everyone's yeah. going to get murdered that knows me. 
Don't take us down this country road. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> country roads. Lose your details. Steal your bags. <laughs> Steal my game of the year. I'm going to go with Fallout 76. Um, wow. And that's my food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why you get your food? I'll I'll pass it to Gary because Gary reviewed it. So, uh, yes, yeah. and uh, copped a fair bit of flack for <laughs> daring enough to give a game a seven out. Of <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that that still just makes me chuckle. What was I thinking, man? Uh, no, uh, I enjoyed Fallout seventy six. Yeah. I enjoyed playing it with my friends. Uh, Chris, Tim, Ben, we had a blast. We had fun playing. Like hmm. that—that's literally what games are supposed to be. They're supposed to be fun, and that's what I had. This is why we're saying with Dead Cells, it's just sometimes a game doesn't have to be, you know, emotionally powerful. Or no, like... damn it! Games have to be deep, introspective analogies that I can personally take home and my neckbeard can enjoy. They can't be fun, okay? They have to be what I want. <sighs> Sorry, just had to get that out. <laughs> and, oh. you know, yes, it has problems, as every Bethesda game since Fallout 3 has had problems. Um, it's nothing new to the not the franchise nor, you know, the company. Mm-hmm. And in a way, they started to embrace this. They shouldn't embrace it. And I don't agree with the fact that, yeah, they like the fact that their games are buggy and they're embracing it. That should never be the case. But when you're going into a game fully expecting what you're going to get, I think it's a big difference than going into a game like, I don't know, Spider-Man and expecting every goddamn bug and glitch in the world to um, and and to me, you know, people say that it's boring, it's dead. There's no meaningful stuff in it. I don't agree with that. I thought the the way they told the story through the hollow tapes was very well done. If you actually have, you know, the 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 will to listen to, because a lot of these hollow tapes are long. There is one that I clocked in like they were talking for like seven eight minutes. I love um, how you said that. Yeah, the will. <laughs> Yeah, because you want to go on and start shooting stuff. If you're doing that, you're not really paying attention to what they're talking about in the holotapes. But it's a story that takes place in an area that is unaffected by an actual nuclear blast. Bombs never fell on West Virginia. Um, So it's a vibrant world to look at. It's got fall colors. The setting is nice. Most of the region is populated by robots because humanity is not there. Um, Fallout 76 is the first Fallout shelter to open up in that area. Mm-hmm. So you come out, yeah, there's people, there are residents that have been there, people who did live in West Virginia, but they have since died out. They were pretty much wanderers and stuff like that from, from the Fallout and the nuclear wars. Um, but you are essentially the vault that never got experimented on. <laughs> Um, in the Fallout universe, and your whole job is to reclaim West Virginia, rebuild it as a human settlement, and rebuild humanity, essentially. And, like I said, there is always something for us to do. There were parts in the game where I would have maybe 10 
quests on my quest list. And I had no idea which one to tackle first. And to say that the game has no content is just ridiculous because it has a tremendous amount of content. Well, that was the beauty of it is that we could choose to tackle any of those quests at any time. You know, it was yeah. just like, hey, want to go do this? Yeah, sure. We'd go to a new area. We'd get attacked. We'd have fun. We're like, all right, well, let's go over here now. And it just, and that's, that's what it was. We were having fun exploring and just enjoying kind of that, um, that dynamic randomness that uh, is, is very, very uh, famous in open world games like Bethesda is known for publishing and making. So that, it's that combined with the, you know, us being our normal selves and being friends and doing this together. Yeah. It was it was great. Like like yeah, I don't know why everybody was saying there wasn't any content, and yeah. for there not to be any NPCs in the world either. It's like yeah, because they're the only people alive are other players. Like that's the intent that yeah. they were going for. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they told people exactly what this game was. They were very transparent about what this game was, but they just did not want to believe it. They wanted a full on story. They wanted their NPCs. All the stuff that they wanted, they told them was not what this game was. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I, I said, we had yeah. fun. And, Ben, this was your pick. I don't know if you're back yet. If you want to tell us why you liked it, probably not. You're probably eating now. <laughs> <laughs> he just threw the grenade in here. But yeah, Chris, Chris, obviously you've been playing it, so you can talk about it a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, just, just like, like I haven't even gotten into, into the story as far as you have yet, but it was... So we agree that Fallout uh, 76 is the best Fallout. <laughs> yes! <laughs> what did people think? It is to me. It is, it is to me. And Neil, you know this. Like, you know my problems with Fallout that I've had. Yeah. And for me to say that this is my favorite Fallout is something. Because... Yeah. It's think, the one I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, and I think we have that the benefit of that content. You, yeah. I, I can get why people who don't know you are, are going to go, how could it be your favourite for Because they don't assume that you don't like the rest. You know, it, It's, <laughs> it's a, a problem in that regard. I, I get that. But, yeah. You know. I can assure you, Gary has played the, the rest of them, has uh, been frequently well, butt-fucked by the glitches in all of the previous entries, and yeah. uh, and can safely say that this one was the least glitchiest of them all, from my understanding. I mean, historically, we we have podcasts as uh, on chain where we in the tournament of the overrated, where we had this very discussion about Fallout Three and Fallout, you know, and uh, there many arguments about those games. You know, and Gary was very much on the side of the negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, people talk about Fallout New Vegas, and I get it. Fallout New Vegas, narratively, was a great game. Yeah. But the fact that to this... People. Yeah, to this, <laughs> to yes. this very day, it has game-breaking bugs that will mm-hmm. destroy your save files that you will never get back, and you're screwed for life. Like, also, to say really that like- that is not as bad as what Fallout 76 has is ridiculous. Yeah. There's a difference between, oh, I can just, you know, quit to the main menu and come back in, bug or glitch, compared to, I just lost 300 hours of gameplay and I can never get it back. 
and I got to start over. That's a that's a big difference, people. I think there was a lot of um, <laughs> it was a lot of pent up aggression over Fallout Four that didn't get released, and it it became part of Fallout Seventy Six's you know whole thing. And you know it didn't help that Bethesda then had outside problems to do with the game uh, after that, that that obviously tarnished the name further. And you know the fact the game then has sold twenty three quid since then. It, it, like, a yeah, I bought mine after. like a week later for um, twenty nine. Yeah, cause what I said to Gary is like, well, you know, I played, I played the. the I bought the Clips so. edition for thirty five. Yeah, like, not the um, the vi- the um, vinyl bag edition, but the just the yeah. stilted. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's uh, that is one of the issues. Hey, Gary's, how's your canvas bag? It's good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just want to say, people need to understand that this game is a games-for-service game. If they expected it to be 100% full, foolproof day one, they obviously have never played an MMO. Pretty much every MMO that ever comes out is terrible. Up until yeah. probably we, the first four or five honest, months when they start doing stuff to it. You haven't played the City game. If it's not the exact same reaction that the Elder Scrolls Online got, yeah, you know, it, yeah. the internet, it, the social media wasn't as prevalent when that came out, uh, and that has slowly improved over time. And obviously, it's in the background, so people don't give a shit. Yeah, you know, they're not involved in the argument. They're not. It's not a brand new game, so the people that would normally, you know, piss their pants over it are just not paying attention to it. But that game has got better and better and better over time to the point that. It, Arguably one of the best MMOs out there, you know. By the way, so, I like the theory that Fallout seventy six is nothing but a scam by Todd, right? <clears throat> okay, not to scam us, but to scam the companies in charge of him. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, I, I can't remember what YouTuber this was, but I like this theory. Okay, because um, they're working on Starfield and Elder Scrolls six, um, yeah. he's already said multiple times that they would need a bigger studio to actually finish Starfield because of how ambitious it is. I like yeah. the theory that um, Todd went up to the develop, yeah, the people in charge of him went, look, we know Fallout sells well. Let's make it an online game of service and sell it to the millions. And they're like, yes, we'll buy that. That's a good idea. And he's like, oh, but I can't do it. We just don't have enough people. <laughs> Can we get more staff? Ben, ben, you need to stop. You're revealing his entire <laughs> secret right now, and you don't want to be the cause of the downfall. Can we get more stuff? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. It's a, we're going to make the money from all the microtransactions and the DLCs. Yeah, you get, you get your stuff. And he gets the stuff. It's like, actually, you guys are working on Starfield. We've got about four people walking up, fall out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just to go back to this, because... Yeah, so much ill will towards Bethesda, but Bethesda, outside of Sony, are one of the last purveyors of single-player content. You know, sure, Fallout 76 isn't that game, and maybe that's why people are so violently vicious towards it. But you look at the shit they put out in the last few years as a publisher, the, the likes of Wolfenstein 2, Prey, and Dishonored 2, games that adored by the people that play them. Yes, they're not as successful. They, those games combined probably aren't going to be as successful as 
Acts 76, a game that is reviled by a large portion of people. And that's mad, I agree. But games like Fallout 76 pay the bills to get the stuff that Bethesda do really well in, in terms of publishing. Yeah. And I've always said, like, I, I love Bethesda as a publisher, just not as a developer. <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, a lot of these people, like I said, I think it does come back down to the people that didn't like Fallout 4, and, and they're just acting out Also, again. remember that Bethesda are actually owned by another company. So, well, who, Everyone's owned by a different company at this point, uh, even when they yeah, sound like Sally Mac Studios owns. So... Um, yeah, I think they also own IGN, and IGN yeah. didn't give it a seven. Why don't they go attack them? <laughs> <laughs> They're owned by the damn company. They probably should have given it a ten. <laughs> ten out of ten. No, nine and out of ten. Your score wasn't Too even the highest. Up. I mean, in fairness, if they have anything to do with that company, then they shouldn't be in the game whatsoever. Because uh, didn't they, IGN they had like all the map locations put up already before? That's it. That's it. They should have no coverage. The game because yeah. it's advertising. It's uh, whatever yeah. they do. No, even if they gave the game two out of ten, it's still advertising for a game that is within their company. But it's like the whole you know Google Amazon thing. It's like oh, they're technically separate companies, but because they share people who made the same shit, somehow <laughs> Amazon appears on the top of every fucking Google search when you're going. You know, it still exists. They're still helping each other out. But yeah. Yes. Anyway, that's that. So yeah, Ben's choice. So we we go around again. So we Gary, go around again. How many more are we doing, by the way? Well, until we, we exhaust them, we might go around. <laughs> a roundup towards the end might be a good idea. I think I I've got so many. Okay, I I only have two more. So oh, we'll go. Okay, that um, was my last guess... one, by the way. Oh, there you go. Well, just the people who have multiple ones will carry I've got on. One, I've got one more. <laughs> if I... Unless Gary picks it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe. No. Uh, I am going to go with Nino Kuni 2, uh, Revenant oh. Kingdom. Uh, earlier RPG, uh, JRPG, came out, I believe, in February. Yeah, about that. Yeah, February, March. March, sorry. March. Um, another... Very, very well done, enjoyable RPG. This is done by Level 5, who is known for creating some really great RPGs. Um, a very huge uh, step away from what they did in the original one. The original one was more like a monster-catching Pokemon type of game that you used to fight uh, monsters with. Um, also, they collaborated with Studio Chibli, on the first one, uh, they did not collaborate on the second one with them, even though they still use the same type of art style. Uh, that, that's kind of understandable because you know, Ghibli had technically shut down at that point. So it, yeah, it unfortunately. So, but yeah, no, they 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 went in. They they told a story that takes place after uh, a lot of years after the game, um, where you just play as this little boy who becomes king after his father is killed and his kingdom is overthrown by uh, this race of rat people um, who lived, you know, happily with, with um, in the kingdom who I believe are more felines 
so rats and felines live together. And the, the rodents essentially rebelled, uh, killed the king, and he was forced into exile, where he decided that he's going to rebuild his own... He's not going to rebuild it. Or, yeah, he's going to build his own kingdom now because he does not want to take back the one that they took. Uh, and obviously a lot of stuff happens. There's this world-threatening thing that, that happens, and he has to uh, pretty much unite all the kingdoms under one banner uh, to defeat this big, great evil. And he sets off on this great quest, and it comes with... Uh, much like the first game, uh, there's a character who comes from the real world who gets transported into this fantasy world. Um, and he doesn't know what's really going on, and he has to kind of find a way home as well. And it's just the story of friendship and unity and how you can really change the world if you work together. Um, it, it, it doesn't tell this insanely miraculous story it's just a, a nice warm-hearted story that it tells about people and how we interact with each other and different races and and all that uh it has a very good message that it's trying to send and i i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this game it has about three different type of game modes there's your traditional uh action combat system where you run around and fight this time uh, you can pick which characters you wanna you wanna fight with. Uh, you can select any of them from your party. Um, there's this kind of uh, RTS type of a game mode where you have like these armies, and they're like these big chibi characters, and you fight on the world map with them. And is I actually I know a lot of people didn't like that game mode too much, but I thought it was actually really fun because it was this huge puzzle type mode where. You have to have specific units that do damage to specific ones, like um, archers would do good damage to uh, lancer enemies, and uh, your sword or your warriors would do good damage to, um, obviously, archers and things like that. Uh, it, it was a fun mode. I, I, I really did enjoy playing it. And, you know, through and through, the game is just fun. It has this whole talent-building mechanic uh, so you can build your own town, build your own shops, run around in your town. It's very cool. Um, and I just, I, I really thought it was a very underlooked game uh, back when it came out because it came out around the same time that the big juggernaut for that time, Fallout or Far Cry 5 was coming out. And, <laughs> and I, I do feel it got overlooked unfortunately and it didn't help that it got itself into some bad news with its dlc people got really upset that they paid for the season pass and no announcements or anything came about its expansions which they're finally coming uh, i believe in two weeks now or the 18th sorry um yeah, yeah it's it's it, it's a fun game it's an old school design type of a game it has it's a huge world map you can explore uh, nice little boat you can get sail around the oceans. It's it's a gorgeous looking game. Obviously, the art style that they've kept from them is is still very very much relevant uh, in this day and age. But yeah, it's a good game. It's a fun game, and it has a very good message that it's trying to send. And I I really did enjoy it. You know, to be honest, I yeah. find the DLC complaints funny. People complain <laughs> that oh. Like with Spider-Man. 
Oh, well, the DLC is coming out in a month. Oh, it's been cut from the game. It's too soon. It's too soon. Then when a developer takes its time to make the DLC come out. Oh, it's taking too long. It's not ever coming out. You never, you never make people happy. Anytime anyone says that sort of shit, just go, look at fucking Half-Life 2. Look at that last bit of DLC. It never fucking came out. Hey, <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting for that DLC. <laughs> I bought the season those, pass and everything. Those <laughs> <laughs> it about six months to finish a fucking story. There's a game that came out in 2004 that still hasn't finished its fucking story. <laughs> Sorry, bitter, bitter about that. Um, who's next? <laughs> Did you even see the leaked? Someone leaked the story online. Yeah, supposed story. It made sense. It doesn't everything, you know. You know what they should? You know what they should do? They don't. Want, I know they said, "Oh, we don't want to make single player game." Just make a damn book. People would have been happy, even if the book says, "And Gordon lives." The end. Titanfall Two was the best Half Life game that never got. Titanfall uh, Two was the best multiplayer game. Yeah, and also Gary's Mass Effect. Best multiplayer game of 2018, even though it came out. With, out oh, Titanfall Two is the best shooter of this generation. Down anybody says. <laughs> See, I agree with Gary. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the podcast errors in in the whole eight years of this system being alive. That is the best. Yeah, right. That, it's five years, but yeah, yeah. It'll probably be traveled. eight by the time PS Five comes. By the way, did you, Neil? Did you do the PlayStation video thing? Because I know only us UK yeah. folk could do it. Oh, yeah, uh, and it was as predictable as yours, to be honest. <laughs> so, How many hours uh, did you put in the PES? Uh, well, you see, because obviously it's different PES every year, you can only put so many hours in. Ah. Uh, but uh, PES 2018 was my top one, uh, last year's one, and that got 369 hours. Okay. And then it was uh, PES 2015 with 284, and PES 2016 with 282. So yeah, See, I, I'd, I'd imagine fourth and fifth might also have been PES games as well. For me, it was um, Warframe, which I didn't see the time, um, and then Fantasy fourteen was seven thousand three hundred and fifty-one hours, <clears throat> which is understandable given how much you play it. I'll be sense. honest; I wouldn't be surprised if ten percent of that is just me standing around. Yeah, I mean. Because I, I do of... my podcast for Phoenix Down Radio. Go check them out, Twitch, Phoenix Down Radio. Um, we record in game, but we talk on Discord. So for those three hours, I'm just stood there. Still, but I think <laughs> that game would still easily oh, yeah. walk. Yeah, it would as walk it everything. It would slaughter. I think with that, you know, it's like mm. I always want to. When it comes to this time of year with Game of the Year, I could include Pez, yeah. but I don't because it, it's like the junk food of games for me. I, I will play it every year for hundreds of hours, and the proof is there in the fact that my top three are like 200-plus hours yeah. on the same game each year. But, you know, it's there. There are other games I play for. X2 is probably just outside that bunch as well, you know. But it's the game, again, I've played on more than one system. So it it has its hours here. What if they announce XCOM 3 next year? 
Mate, if they announce how it's gone free and they do the bitterly disappointing thing they did last time and say, PC first, um, I'm spending a lot of money on a PC, uh, basically. <laughs> like last time, where I, I bought it on PC and then they could barely play it because my laptop just melted the Sunday. <laughs> Um, nothing has changed there, of course, because I still have the same laptop. Um, it, it, I just don't tend to play it as often. But yes, it's great. What were we talking about before that? <laughs> Chris. It's Chris's turn. Yay. I'd like to throw my game of the year out for Pez 2019 for Neil here. I do have, now that I remembered because uh, I, I did play one other game this year and it was fantastically fun uh, first person shooter called Far Cry 5 and I'm, I'm sorry that it, uh, it kind of left Neil, Nina Penny Neil's too. about to kill you. I loved Far Cry 5 simply for the, just the sheer fact that it was a smooth solid shooter and it was just fun. I had fun walking through the wilderness Shooting bears and skinning them quickly and going and then sneaking into a camp and then trying to take people out silently, but failing miserably and getting seen and then getting into a firefight and then going and doing it all over again, maybe parachuting into the base. It was, it was, it was a good improvement for the Far Cry series on all ends. They've, they've been keeping it pretty fresh with their, their uh, weekly... Uh, 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 campaign things that you can do, you know, kill 15 bears with your bare hands or whatever, and you get stuff like, like, and if everybody does it, you know, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the arcade mode. Um, the, the, the I mean, the online play was it wasn't great. It was okay for what it was. The, I didn't play it for that. I played it for the story, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, fantastic ending that uh, that Gary can attest to. He told me first, he's like, dude, you gotta finish it! The ending was amazing! I'm like, okay. Dude, I finished it! The ending was fucking amazing! I know, right? <laughs> like, that's that's how it was, and it was, just, it was just such a fun experience on all accounts. Now, I might add on that ending that that ending is now more in the public knowledge than the ending of Infinity War. Uh, because a sequel to it has already been announced, yeah. it tells you the fucking ending uh, straight away. Uh, and yeah. yeah, still, people, you know, Infinity War is like hush, hush, don't talk, don't talk about it. Don't even the trailer for Endgame doesn't really say what really happened. It's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we know. Thanos has a scarecrow. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> fucking Far Cry was like, yeah, we fucking nuked the world, motherfucker. And this is a game set later and. Yeah, okay. Post, post, yeah, well, you know, it, it oh, least... it's, it's how it happened that makes it so interesting. Is because yeah. you're constantly believing that this guy is this terrible person, which he is. He's a horror, he's a cult leader, he doesn't care. But you realize that at the end of the game, everything that he says is true. <laughs> you're just like, holy shit, I'm a horrible person because I should have believed him. But I didn't because he was a horrible person. <laughs> I think that's what really stood out to me about it. And because once you see it happen, the fact that he has no reaction that it happened because he knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And I just thought it was it was a very unexpected ending. 
it, to me, it really was very unexpected. I think, I, I mean, I put, I put my two cents in it. I got the gold edition mainly because I wanted to play Far Cry 3 again without the multiplayer bullshit, which was my, the biggest thing I hated about that game. God, I'm really? Sure. The, the multiplayer was the biggest thing you hated about Far Cry 3? It was. Not, not what they did to Voss. No, I love that game. That game is amazing. And, proof point, I finished it and platinumed it again on PS4. I didn't spend nearly as much time on Far Cry 5 itself. You know, because Far Cry 3 is just such a pure way of putting that template. You know, it, it, it does enough. It, it's open, but it's not too open. You know, it, it does enough. Gives you enough, and you carry on. At the time when it came out on PS3, my complaint was the multiplayer had no fucking matchmaking, and it required you to do certain things, you know, complete certain levels. But you couldn't do those unless you were lucky enough to matchmake people. And guess what? That was pure pot luck. And so that was fucking infuriating if you were going for the platinum because those were the last few trophies you had to get. So yeah, it made that game a very unpleasant experience because up until then, Far Cry 3 was like one of my favourite games of that generation. Absolutely amazing. Did everything I wanted it to do. You know, Uh, Neil, I I can agree with you on everything. I had Gary to play with for uh, most of those trophies and I actually got glitched out of getting a a platinum on that game because the multiplayer one for the first level, the, the trophy to finish just the first multiplayer level of the co-op mission it didn't pop for me and i tried it again multiple times and it never popped for me again so that platinum is actually locked on the for for my far cry 3 now but i i i agree with you 100 percent that it was a fantastic entry in in the in the series and i just felt like far cry 4 i didn't get a chance to play far cry part neither one of those interested me and then I got interested again with Far Cry 5. And, and it exceeded what Far Cry 3 did for me. I, I felt in, ex- in all the ways that you're saying, and that it was, it was open. It, Far Cry 5 felt like a fresh, living, breathing wilderness up in the Montana yeah. uh, mountains. And, and it, that was something that I felt it did better than Far Cry 3, even though it was, you know, you had the wild animals in Far Cry 3. I, I, I'm not sure what it was. I don't know how to explain it, but Far Cry 5 just managed to turn that up a notch and make you even f- feel more like, sure. you know, you ha- you're, you fuck, you're a mountain man at this point. You have to be able to trek through the wilderness and skin animals and, and, and eat meat I and think, things like that. Like, I think, and we'll, we'll probably get to this when I mention a game later. I just think that Far Cry 3 was the best balance of being a video game and having those aspects. You know, whereas Far Cry 5 very much tries for a bit more realism and that works in some ways and it's interesting in some ways i like exploring large worlds whatever the uh, gameplay elements are but it just didn't feel as satisfying really i i disagree i just there was so much more to explore and random things you stumble across something like like the fallout does really well you know with like just the rant like like you walk into a place and there's like a couple bodies and a blood spatter and a note that does that kind of let shed some light on the situation, and you're just like, what the what the fuck happened here? Like they're like they were able to do that so much better 
in I Far don't... Cry 5 than, than 3. It was just that detail was missing, I felt. This is my point, though. It's like the fact that I had those two games and I played... I always go about, I, I eulogize about replaying games and then go, oh, because especially with trophies and stuff. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you play. <laughs> <laughs> you, you play a game again, and you think, "Oh, yeah, it's great." And even I thought, "Well, Far Cry Three, I'll probably do the same thing I do with most games." Where I go, oh, "I'd love to play that through the trophies again," and you'll play it a few hours and go, "Yeah, that bothers." And somehow, and you know, I really did think that would be the case with Far Cry Three Classic that I would just play a few hours and go, eh, "This isn't much for me. I'll just continue playing the new game." And it ended up being quite the opposite. I, I enjoyed the balance better in Far Cry 3. And 5, I don't know, it just didn't hit me in the same way. And that in itself wouldn't be a problem. But when I think of this year, I, I played uh, Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey this year. And both were more enjoyable in their own for that sort of thing, you know? Hmm. And. Red Dead Redemption 2 as well. These all games really nailed those aspects better for me than, than Far Cry 5. And it, it just, again, I did not like Far Cry either. And it's one of those games, it's much like Uncharted, where it's like, yeah, I get it. You like, people like Uncharted, but the original, but I don't, I don't get what the fuss is about that game. The rest of it is much better than that game. And yeah, I can follow you, Neil, and, and I'll agree. Be simply because I haven't played Origins, Odyssey, or Red Dead Redemption Two yet. Um, honestly, I don't know when I'll get to them. But but you you, I'll agree that those are probably better candidates for what Far Cry Five did. Uh, I I just want to say really quick. I I know what people have been complaining about with Red Dead Redemption Two, like the unskippable skinning things and that. Um, there's something that I feel that Far Cry 5 really addressed in that regard is that when you're, when you're integrating reality into video games, you have to be aware as a game designer of balancing reality yeah, with gameplay. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, do you want to show the reality of, of maybe seeing how long it takes to actually skin an animal? See, or do you want to just be able to run and collect, collect the loot and go because it's a fucking video game? And that's what Far Cry 5 chose. I want to was, say it's fine yeah. to do the full animation the first time. Then after the first first time, you should be able to skip it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and that's something that's come a long way in cutscenes. You know, skippable cutscenes and that. Now, yeah. and so I'm hoping that we'll get kind of the same um, look to it. But the, but then you get involved in too many. Like, oh well, do you, do you just want to skip this and skip this, and then you're just skipping the whole fucking game, so it ruins the purpose of it, anyways. Hmm. And for me, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act. I always see with games like, well, yeah, I wouldn't really do this, but it makes the game a hell of a lot funner. Like, look at Just Cause 3 and 4's physics. Like, <laughs> it's not I mean, reality, but it makes it more fun. So, hey, 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 Far Cry 2 showed us what it feels like to have malaria. And your guns <laughs> jam on you all the time. See, my good, point, thank Darren, you, my point exactly. There are, there are not enough hours in this fucking podcast for me to go on about how bad that game handled that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only game I had to stop after 30 minutes because I started vomiting in real life. Yep. Hey, we can't disagree that Far Cry 2, of all the Far Cries, had the best fire effects and destruction. Whoopie fucking do. Fire. 
<laughs> Just a shame no one's gonna play the whole the game. It's hey, like, yeah, you know what? It was so beautiful. I didn't mind being burned alive to it. Did not suffer another minute of that fucking malaria shit. Hey, hey, I've seen, I've seen, you've seen the gifts from Assassin's Creed uh, Origins, how the fire spreads in that, and he's just like, oh, ragdolls, die. Like, like f- dude, fire in every game. <laughs> any, game that, any game that fire works realistically, you're going to have a bad time. Well, if, if there's other aspects of the game that don't work, Far Cry 2 especially, anytime I ever see anyone just going to bat for that game, I'm just like, you, you just don't get it. You really don't. It, it's neither enjoyable nor inventive. <laughs> it, it's a gimmick where they smear jam on your face every fucking time you get malaria and that's it. That, that's your game. It's like, oh, and it happens to be an open world and, oh, the bad guy might have moralistic oh. issues. Yeah. Yeah, the my, my guns jammed in that game from Rust and stuff. Oh, <laughs> just... <laughs> well, by the way, you talk about that, Neil. I, I, yeah. I'm just thinking of the um, episode of Big Bang Theory where Sheldon tries to learn to drive and they smack him over the head with a pillowcase every time he fails. I'm just thinking someone smack you over the face with like a half-open jam sandwich every time you get to the <laughs> They're jamming us. <laughs> Uh, right, no, it, 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 what, what got me about Far Cry 2 is that my every AK five minutes someone comes jammed. in and just grabs hold of your controller so you can't play. So, Guns, and, your controller's jammed. Just go. Uh, that. I don't know. The AK-47 jammed in that game, and that's not a possibility because that gun never fucking jams. <laughs> you can shoot it through anything. It'll it's, so it's, work. It's true, dude. It's true. Dude. Kalashnikov <laughs> knew how to make his gun. Right, so that, that's your pick. Who's next? Is it Chris? That was Chris. Like that, that was, Far Cry 5 was mine. <laughs> Alfonso's next. I, I was so ready for Gary to pick that game. So, um, <laughs> I liked it for Chris. I knew he was going to pick it. So. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, before, before I pick my last pick, fuck Far Cry 5. <laughs> and I'm saying this, I'm saying this because <laughs> I was get the bottom trophy? Game. No. I was all high for that game and five minutes into the game, it crashed, and I had to start all over again. Every five minutes, I restart the game. It crashed, and I tried four different types of people's copies, and it crashed every five minutes. She had to feel bad for me, and she ended up buying me the gold edition because you get Far Cry Three, and it still crashed. So thank you, Ubisoft, for ruining my experience for Far Cry Cry, and because of that, I am not looking forward to New Dawn. Fuck. That but, series sat, but then Ubisoft sat there going, You can, you can probably the play it now, money. though. You know, they no, it. I don't want to play it now. I don't want to play it now. They ruin it. <laughs> they ruin it. So, sounds like a PS4 issue, no? Gary, I have a PS4 and two PS4 Pros. You tell me that going to work on none of my three PS4s? Sounds like it, yeah. No, it can't be. Oh it, it, it can't be. That's the only game. The only game in my library that doesn't work, but everything else works fine. No, nah, that's a Ubisoft problem. Ubisoft problem. Fuck Ubisoft. Fuck Far Cry 4. Fine. Sorry. That, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I end up being Ubisoft too. What is your game, Alfonso? My last pick for Game of the Year is Detroit Become Human. Nice. A game that I want to finish, but couldn't because at that time, still playing God of War nonstop. But I, I love the characters. 
I mostly play with Connor, but I love the characters. I love the aspect of how you they give you the ability to find clues to put it, the pieces together to, to solve the case. I love the choices that you can make. Nice soundtrack, amazing graphics. To me, one of the most one of the best looking games of this year. It it, it goes into my top three for this uh, for game of the year. I, I and I, I need to finish it, but I just don't have time to. But yeah, I love that game. I enjoyed it too. I'm not gonna lie, I, I I did enjoy it as well. I thought as much crap as David Cage gets and his studio gets, I still think they create fantastic. It was fantastic... a very good emotional game. No, like to me, I've always said this is like it's the next step in the visual novel point and click adventure game, and <clears throat> I think. In the case of Detroit, it's a story that we've seen done so many times before with Terminator, iRobot, you know, take your pick, anything where machines start thinking for themselves. Um, but in, in, in this case, I feel like there, there's some aspects of it where I didn't like uh, and some parts that just didn't really make sense to me, uh, with specifically with some of the characters. but. Overall, I thought it was a fun game. It was a good game. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, personally. So. I, I didn't get a chance to play it at all, um, but uh, I see it as Game of the Year material, even though I didn't get the chance to, to experience it. But from everything I've seen, uh, it looked like it was a really good uh like like a emotionally driven story experience, like you're saying, they're very well known for. Uh, I've also always loved the animation quality that comes out of their, that studio. Uh, so I, I I can see why why it's it's game of the year material material why it should be talked about as game of the year material. I, I can't really say anything else beyond that because I haven't had a chance to experience it yet. But it it, it looked fucking fantastic and. I agree with you that where the direction that they're going uh, is kind of like the future for point-and-click adventure style games. I agree with that 100% because they make it... They make the interaction seamless. Um, almost. You know, it's, it's just you're experiencing the story as the character is experiencing the story like you're reading a fucking book. And it was, it was phenomenal in Heavy Rain. Like, that, that game is one of my top five all-time favorite games. And uh, as I said, I was looking forward to Detroit Become Human. Haven't had a chance to play it, but it's something that studio does phenomenally well. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of got overshadowed by all of that, you know, nasty stuff about the workplace. And, and I'm not here to speculate whether it's true or not, or who said this and what. Um, they, produce, they produce quality content. So I, I hope that we see them around still in the future because they, they do make quality games. Yeah, I think as a game, it has, I mean, as an interactive game, it is really interesting. I think the main problem with Detroit Become Human is that when it deals with certain issues, it can be really good at it, and then it straight away be pretty terrible, you know? 
uh, is that hit and miss vibe that you know again you get with quantum dream games where they, they can be really effective in one scene and then do something god awful in another see heavy rain sex scene for instance for doing something terribly uh, here there's a bit more good to it i i find especially um Ooh, more interactive sex scenes no, no, it's very oh. much less, less that. You know, the robots, come on. Um, <laughs> so, Even better, what are you talking about? Yes, robot no. sex. I mean, there's better interactions between characters. I, just, there's more interesting people involved. The, the, um, the, the, the scrapyard scene in particular is really, really effective in what it does, and especially from what it comes off from. And it, there's... It's frustrating as a game because there are so many moments in it that get overshadowed by some really clunky, horrible, dumb, insensitive parts that, that just don't really work. And you know, I for PSU, I gave this game eight out of ten because I, I think a lot to it that works really, really well and deserves to be praised for that, uh, especially for the medium it's going for. Because I think there's a branching choice here that actually has an impact than say telltale's stuff god rest her soul and uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it does it's so much better in that regard than than anything quantic dream has done before it's just that you kind of wish they didn't embarrass themselves now and again it's like they've turned up in their fancy suit and they're using all their big words but occasionally they're eating spaghetti and they drop it down in the front of their trousers. You know? Oh, uh, I didn't it. know they were me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> They're the Ben. They are the Ben of video games. <laughs> there, is, there is so much to love, but don't, occasionally they drop don't, their spaghetti. Don't <laughs> don't you forget like to that. bring a spare suit as well. You're like, oh, now I've got to wear this. And Life lessons. Uh, Always bring a, pair of, a spare pair of trousers in your trunk. Or in your briefcase, or your backpack, wherever you go. Trust I hope, me. I would hope they would be on my trunk, so to speak. So, <laughs> what if you're not wearing trunks underneath these trousers? Well, I, 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 I'm speaking more about my trunk rather than my trunk. Trunk size is is, is directly proportional to junk size, as we know. Uh, Does it come with my? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. Oh god! Damn. You didn't get the doing. joke. You didn't get the joke. But you no, didn't know what to do with it. Too. I think he got the joke. He doesn't know what to do with right. it. He knows the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank Detroit. you, Ben. Detroit, what? It was fine. Detroit Rock City. Sorry. That <laughs> 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 I suppose it's me next. Why do I breathe? <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Why do I breathe? <laughs> oh my god! You just gave me yes. You just gave me the best Christmas present idea for Gary. <laughs> yes. That you're gonna get yourself to wear? No. No. Just oh my god! Saddest picture of Gary. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be amazing. Uh, right, your turn, so, my friend. Yeah, it's my turn. Um. I'm getting scared because we've gone a while and I don't want to stuff. So I'm going to have to pick Red Dead Redemption 2 as the next one. And then just hope that one of my other favorites gets a chance to shine soon. Um, but yeah, 
this is a game that you know we were just talking about Detroit and all the uh, controversy that surrounded it, that sort of affecting it. Uh, and Red Dead, again, much like Detroit, had two separate things that really went against it. First one, of course, was the workplace problem, like Detroit, and the second was um, how it played, which a lot of people were instantly turned off by it because it was very slow paced for everything. Every animation is very deliberate and people are very much like, oh, no, God, I can't believe this game is making me spend time doing things. Oh, I'm going to go back to playing Overwatch for 9 billion hours. Uh, yeah, it, it just, it seems like an odd argument considering some people made the argument will gladly play the same thing, over, the same cycle over and over again in one game to the point of infinity but because a looting animation takes oh my god let's just bash this game into into ancient history red dead redemption 2 is absolutely spellbindingly good game and what it does it's little mechanics all work together and yes it's terrible that it took this many man one hours to, to make uh, and there was so so much pressure on that game to be made but you can see it you know it's like you can argue oh it's archaic and it's it's gameplay design good because it fits you know it, it kind of fits the style of this game it was too fluid it wouldn't the world wouldn't feel right it it's why I've had trouble going back to Assassin's Creed because that game is very fluid, very, you know, you flip and jump and move everywhere. Great. Like that. And from place to place, you can fucking leg it from one place to the other in that world. You don't have to get on your horse and it doesn't matter. Here, it's like you, you get on your horse if you want to get somewhere to be. But if you walk, you can take a fucking age to get there. Not only will it take long to, time to get there in terms of speed but also because you'll just be sidetracked by so much shit that's going on in this world it's so alive uh, as a game world it, there's so much going on and that's before you get to the gang itself and the interaction between it, it one of the reasons i gave uh, persona 5 my only 10 out of 10 you know was because the camaraderie between the group just felt like an extension to me, it, you felt it, and you felt part of this group, and you, you wanted everything to be all right for these guys. Red Dead is arguably better at it because not only do you have people you're rooting you want to spend time with, but there are people in, in this group, like in real life, there are people in this group that's like you tolerate, you, you kind of get why people like them around, but at the same time, you, if you had the chance and no one was watching, you'd shoot them in the back of the head at the first opportunity. It's like you're. Whoa, 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 wait! What are you trying to say here, Neil? Chris, I think it's clear we're talking about Gary. And... Oh, oh, wow! Oh, okay. Wow! Wow! I thought it was me, if I'm honest. <laughs> no, but I mean, in a friendship group, you know, you have people who are friends no matter what, no matter how much shit you throw at them, and how much banter you have. And yeah, just the, like the, Gary and Chris. Yeah, it's the Unchained Gang. This is what we're like. It's like people shit at each other. That's fine. 
when you think of larger groups in general, just like maybe in the past, right? You'd be friends with people just because other people like our friends with people, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you tolerate those people because your mate is friends with them and you don't want to cause any trouble. And But eventually stuff gets pushed to the point where you're like, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to tell this person to fuck off. Like that. Red Dead Redemption 2 absolutely captures that. And it's like, you can have these wonderful euphoric moments of just being in a group together, just doing a really meaningful activity. Like one of my favorite moments in the whole game that isn't really a spoiler in any way at all, it's to say that after a certain event, you all get together around the campfire and you have a little sing song. And it's just beautiful how it goes. It's, you feel like you've achieved something to to get this and everything you've learned about the people in this this camp but to this point you're like it's great that we can all just be happy and great because the predominant storytelling method of Red Red Dead Redemption 2 is that this is a group that are ultimately going to fall apart because it's a prequel to Red 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 Dead Redemption where you know John Marston is hunting down these people Remain from this group is going after them because this group broke down. And what you're witnessing in Red Dead Redemption 2 is the breakdown of that group. And that makes it doubly tragic because you're viewing why it becomes that way. And you see how they are at their best, and you're like, you just you just wish that it all went well. And it's just such a strong component of the entire story. That people get along with each other but also that you are so involved in them that you want to spend time with it's never pushed like it was in say GTA 4 where to go bowling all the time it's now a case of you know it's like if you want to go spend time with this person there's a mission for that and even then you might say I want to go and see what that person is doing you might want it gives you a mission to go and see them but you go to that mission and find out that it's a conversation with that person, but someone else jumps in and it's a completely different mission. You know, it's like you go in any other game, you go to a person, you're doing a mission for them. Yeah, if that's their marker. In Red Dead Redemption 2, you go to a mission, you might talk with that person for a bit, and then someone else from the group interjects and goes, Oh, well, shit, we've got this thing to do. Uh, something has happened over here. Or so you, you join me. So it's like, and that plays brilliantly into the story because there are moments where you'll have conversations with certain characters that, and you never get to do much with them mission-wise, but you always get a sense like there's something missing in the story. What am I missing? Because every time I go to talk to them, I'm not getting the full story because someone else interjects and with their own problem, or you know, which is usually, to be fair, something more prevalent that you have to do. And on a couple of occasions, especially, that has rolled back into the story itself, that you have had these repeated attempts at conversation with a character, and, and you've seen the frustration that they feel not being able to get across what they're trying to say, and it's paid off as a story component. And it's um, it just gets you far more involved as a result, because you, you just see... You're just like, why, why would no one listen to this person? 
tragic that it came to this now that all this has gone wrong because nobody was willing to listen to this person because we're all too busy doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, and on the other side, you know, you can spend a lot of time with people, horrible, tragic things happen to that person, you know, like, ah, oh, horrible. But that, yeah, that's more traditional. Yeah, it, there's a lot of games where, you know, time the person just murder the fucker, and now you're supposed to feel bad. But here, it, it really does, because you never really know when that's going to happen. And, yeah, it, there's so much you can't go into Dead Redemption 2. You have to play it through, and it's a game that I've not wanted to finish, because just when that story comes to an end, I just not wanting to, I, I just don't want to get there god and, i hate that feeling i know it so well and i just yeah i've had and, so many unfinished games because of it yeah yeah astrobot man astrobot yeah especially, <laughs> especially here because just the way certain aspects of the story go you're like if i continue further the story certain i'm not going to get to Interact with same character, some characters the same way ever again. Gary won't platinum Witcher three because of that. Yeah, I haven't platinumed it. All I will have to do is I'm at literally at the end of the game on the hardest difficulty. All I have to do is go fight the final boss, and I don't want to because I want to have a reason to come back to that game at some point in time. <laughs> this is like what a year and a half now. <laughs> yeah, I I totally understand that from this this standpoint because you know. I mean, Smash Brothers recently has taken like precedent you know, in uh, doing that. But uh, yeah, twice now, yeah, I've had two good runs with Legend Two, where I've just really got into it and got back to. But just it gets to this point, and you just, you don't want to carry on, not not just because of yourself and seeing the end of the story and it being over, because you know the stuff and there's Red Dead Online and whatever, but. Because you don't want to see the end in the same way, because you know that there's stuff you don't want to see happen, and you know it's stuff you know is going to happen because of the fact that this is a prequel, you know, and, and that that colours a lot of how you feel. Four and words: Final Fantasy. In a lot of instances, this would be a problem. You would be like, "Well, I already know what's going to happen, so what's any of this worth?" Here, it's like. But I've built up such a connection with this group and these people. It's like it's always in the back of your mind with certain characters. We're like, well, I never saw this character in the other game. So what happens to them? What happens to them? Do, do they just disappear into the to the ether, or do they, you know, get tragically killed? And and that's it. You you want to love each character, but you're very aware of those people you met in Red Dead Redemption. And those you didn't, and you're like, shit. And I think with uh, there's certain characters, you know, where you do see 2010 game, and you're like, damn, how did you get to this point? You know, and it it's fascinating to see. Uh, it really is. It's just it's a remarkable game. I it reminds me very much of as being an evolution of what GTA 4 did in terms of being a very rich environment where that, that game was not very, um, you know, it, it, it was 
criticised for not being very open, but it was a very deep game. And Gary, I am resident, by the way. Um, but yeah, it, this does both. It has a very big open world, but it also still manages to maintain that sense of character. And you spend so much time, you willingly spend time with people doing stuff with them that just, you don't know what the real reward will be. The reward is often nothing as well in Red Dead Redemption 2. And that's fascinating that the game can just draw you into it so much without any, you know, no XP counter clicking over, no, oh, you've earned this amount of dollars, you've earned these secret stash of weapons, loot boxes, whatever. It just, it rewards you with the knowledge you have gained from that little story segment. And you come to love characters. It just feels very pure and it, it it seems almost odd with Red Dead Online, which you know is uh, uh, very much more a continuation of what GTA Online did, where you know you, you're making a game that will make you money for many many years to come, and is a result of GTA Five being in the charts five years after it came out, and that's there. But the single player game here, more than GTA Five, is just so beautiful and so beautifully done and there's just so much to it that it's a shame for me if anyone does feel like it's too slow and too laborious and nothing's going right because it's just such a beautiful game and god of war had been my game of the year for most of the year until and this is just sort of slowly crept up 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 up, up. it's like yeah, it's like I I feel like I've barely a Red Dead Redemption too, and it is still it's still so much. Isn't there rumours that Red Dead will be the DLC? Yeah, there is rumours of it. Yeah, and I mean enough. I doubt it, but you know. <laughs> I mean, they promised DLC for um, GTA Five single player, and that never happened. Um, I, I think there's more chance of it here just because I don't think Red Dead Online is going to be as uh, successful as GTA Online because the modern environment of GTA Online makes more sense in terms of how... No, to... no I, just, I just figured out how they can make it as popular. Horse Armor. <laughs> Horse Armor DLC for Red Dead Redemption 2, but, but instead of like traditional like Skyrim-looking armor or something like that, it's like a Ferrari, or oh, speaking of no, that, no, not not horse armor then, but car, horse and carts. But the carts are shaped like modern day cars. Yes, even better. <laughs> like, uh, like legend. I got my Ferrari wagon wheel, boys. <laughs> she's, yeah. got two, she's got three horsepower. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my pick. The Red Dead Redemption. I mean, that's pretty fast yeah. for a Ferrari. <laughs> I, I would prefer wow. a Mustang with four, four, four horsepower Mustang. That's what I want. I, I want my Bugatti. Uh, my an eighteen sixty-seven. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ben. What's next? Do you have another pick? Uh, I didn't really play it much, but I, I don't really have any more picks. But I feel like I should say Monster Hunter World. So I'm gonna go with Monster Hunter World. I think there's <laughs> never a... played it. <laughs> I, yeah, but I think you'd like to point it out as a general pick because yeah. I, I know. You... Yeah. I own it. 
I didn't know they wanted to invite me to play it though. Yeah. Wow, that's. I played it after everyone else. I mean, the same. <laughs> oh, I can talk about. It. I played it when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Monster Hunter World. As was... have I. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. I enjoyed it. I said, I said, I, I could only play with randomers. I got bored. It, it has a weird setup for playing with your friends. It's. Yeah. It's complicated when it doesn't need to be complicated. It's really stupid. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of a pain. It's like, yeah, it's like Dark Souls multiplayer, trying to play with your friends. It's all messed up. Kind of but... like how Dev May Cry 5 multiplayer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to talk about that. But anyways, no. Um, it's kind of what we talked about with Dragon Quest, where Square Enix has been unsuccessful in making it popular outside of Japan. Capcom has made Monster Hunter popular outside of Japan with Monster Hunter World. They sure. succeeded Surprising. in what they were trying to do. Yeah, that they, blindsided everybody with what it what it was, like it, how popular it got. I mean, mm-hmm. it it's now beyond Street Fighter in terms of sales. Yeah, uh, because of Monster Hunter World alone. So that that tells you a lot about how popular it's become. Yeah, and it's it's great because they've been trying to break through the the North American market for a long time now with. Yeah, Monster Hunter, and they finally done it. Oh, uh, they, they even yeah. get a movie now that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> of course, <laughs> Paul Anderson likes to ruin things. So fucking hate that guy. I'm no. I'm so glad he never got his Castlevania. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you know, it's it's a game that's primarily been dominated uh, on the Nintendo hardware. Yeah. Um, so coming back because it didn't start off on the PS2 and then it moved, it migrated over to Nintendo consoles. I mean, it's been predominantly a handheld game for most mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just done so many good things. Um, it's so much fun hunting these monsters, watching them. It's it's like, how can I describe it? It's it's, it's like uh, in in a, in a how can, how can I put it? In a weird way for me, it, enca- it encapsulates the hunter's experience yeah. in, in a fun, arcade honestly, Capcom-esque way. Because yeah. you, have, you go to a location where a beast is supposed to be, and you're hunting a specific type of beast, and you, so that's your mission. You're supposed to go out and either kill it or capture it for, for the parts, because that's, that's what the people on this island use for basically everything. All the technology they have is pretty much monster-based. Um, you know, their armor, their weapons, things like that. But, but it's like, they're, these are animals that, like us, they've come to depend on to survive. Their pelts, their meat, everything. And, and it grasps that feeling because hunters from all over the world are coming here, hence Monster Hunter World. They're, but they're all coming here to seek glory as hunters. So... Yeah. You go. Their missions are, in fact, you go out on these quests for these animals. You find their tracks. Uh, you you find their nests, even or where they hunt other animals. And then it, you have to hunt them. And you have various hunters' traps and and your your main weapons. You know, you can be. They they have a variety of wild, over the top anime style weapons, from you know swords that are three times as big as you to axes that are four times bigger than that to giant like Gatling crossbow guns. But they're all made with Again, these monsters' technology and gunpowder that are made from the monster hides. Like, they've created this world, this living, breathing world, and 
there, there's so much depth in it within the story and the lore of all the hunters before it. And, and the gameplay coincides with that. Like, like it blends perfectly together and it's just, it, it pulls you in and you just want to keep going out on these hunts with your friends. And, and yeah, dude, it was just, it was such a, it was an overwhelming experience for me. I haven't finished it. I haven't finished the main storyline, but every time I was able to go out with Gary and Tim or, um, I don't know if I ever did play with you, Ben. (laughs) I don't think, did you ever tell us? We never knew. Yeah, we never knew you had it, Ben. I I did the first review stuff with you, Gary. Did you really? Yeah. I thought it was from the beta. You did, but you dropped off, I thought. No, I've had it on my PS4 and so then nobody... It's like, oh, yeah. Live guilt trip. Live We're terrible people. We are terrible people, Ben. I am so sorry. But, no, but, I didn't we, know uh, you guys were playing it. We played it a couple times. We, we got a couple good uh, good matches early, early on. We. Yeah. I, I know that Tim had a group that he's... I think he still plays with. And they're like... <laughs> He, Tim was day one, and they're like super high level. Like they've got all of like the the all of the events armors and things like that. Like I think Tim has a hardcore hardcore group he plays with. Uh, I I never got that far into it, but what I did play of it was fantastic. I like, I was super impressed with it. Yeah. And and Capcom, yeah, kudos to them for bringing a, a what I felt was a long dead franchise, except for you know the the really niche hardcore players. And Capcom's just like, oh, here, rest of the world, check this out. It's a <laughs> hunt monsters with us, and it was like, oh wow, and it was a hit. Like, kudos. Yeah, it was a huge hit. It's got a huge expansion pack coming out next year. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, it's like it's that adrenaline of placing traps and learning and studying the monster you're supposed to hunt because you can't just go in with your sword swing and expecting to win. No, That's not you for the lose. For the higher level hunts, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, you you have to study the monsters. You have to find out what their weakness, their habitat, and you have to prepare accordingly to like where does it go hunt? I can set up a trap here that can capture it or stun it, put it to sleep. You have to learn to do these things because you can't just go in and hit shit. That's not how this game works, and it's and it's multiplied when you're playing with your friends because everybody has their job to do. You know, one of us will go in and keep the monster distracted while the other two go and set up traps. And then the other fourth one will try to lure it into those traps. Everybody has a specific role to play. And it's designed so well to to implement all these roles for the And the focus is so much on planning. So much on planning Mm -hmm. for what you're going to hunt. Instead of, like you said, you can't just equip you know, what the fuck, yeah, like, oh, this is the strongest-looking armor, I like this sword, and go out and expect Yeah, it. because it's not about that. It's not about having the most, the hardest-hitting weapon or the best defensive armor, because you'll go into a monster that doesn't care about your defense, it's shooting acid at you, and you die in, like, five seconds, because you're not prepared for that, or it sets you on fire, and your armor doesn't protect against fire. You know, it's not about any of that. You have to study the monsters. You have to know their strengths and their weaknesses and use that against them. Again, something that uh, for a game that's not like like that, like just go in and hit stuff, for it to do as well as it did, again, I'm just, I'm amazed. Because it got people that aren't normally into games like this into this series. Yeah, totally agree. 
So it's a really good game. It, that ecosystem it employs is it, fascinating because there's just so many layers. Just monsters, animals even have their own routines and ways they will hunt, avoid uh, others, and it's great just to see it. And yeah, it has this very gamified thing to it in terms of what you in that world. It's great. You just can't deny that about it. It does so much right. It's understandably up there in terms of the games of the year because of it. Just because it came at the beginning of the year has kind of hurt it a little bit. But I think in terms of sales, it will do very well. Uh, in terms of uh, critical acclaim, maybe it'll feature lower down a lot of uh, this, just because so much has come since. In, in a year where it's been ridiculous, you know, uh, you know there, there have been so many games. Yeah, yeah, and it's still, I mean, it still is kind of standing out on its own. Yeah. <laughs> It, it really is. It, it, it really is. So, yeah, what's that? That's Gary next. <laughs> that's Gary next, huh? Man. Well, that's Monster Hunter. That's what I was going to pick. I'm glad it been picked it. Um, most of the big stuff that I truly, truly enjoyed have already been picked by other people, but there is one small little game that I got to play this year only because I wanted to experience a visual novel type of game. Because oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? I, yeah. was about to, I was about to say that jokingly. I can't believe it. Yeah. Please take now. I want to know. And I, I picked... I, I, the review was available, so you know what? I'll and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And the game I'm talking about is called Punchline. Punch? And <laughs> Punchline, yep. <laughs> I was seriously about to say that as a joke. It's, My it's God. based on an anime um, of the same name. They got all the same voice actors into, into the game as well. It, it's never been dubbed. It's still in Japanese. But it... It was a huge critical success and commercial success in Japan as a manga. Uh, so they turned it into an anime. But, oh my god, this is probably one of the funniest games I've played in a very, very long time. To the point where I was actually in tears from some of the shit that was going on in this game. Um, yeah, thank you for posting my review. <laughs> <laughs> so oh it's... First image is basically... No. Akira. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's about this kid who is just hanging out on this bus and he gets, you know, attacked by this terrorist organization, or they call it a cult that's doing terrorist activities. And this female hero who you see on that cover, I don't remember what they call her actually. She has a crazy funny name. Um but She's there to kind of help you and save the day. Strange Juice, that's her name. Strange Juice. <laughs> wow. 
And essentially what happens is there's the scuffle on this bus. It has fantastic anime cutscenes. Like, the action anime cutscenes are very well done. Um, very good animation. But So what happens is, on this bus, uh, it essentially crashes, and Strange Juice is about to get killed. So the main character, uh, Utah, or Yatu? Utah? Utah. Anyway. Utah. Utah. He goes in and saves her by pushing the guy who's about to kill her out of the window of the bus... Uh, and they fall into a river, and essentially, he believes he survives, but what happens is somebody who died enters his body and pushes his soul out of it. So he's pretty much a ghost, and somebody else is living in his body. And he lives in this dorm room, which is occupied by four other women, and he's the only male there. And he doesn't realize that one of the girls is Strange Juice, and uh, one of the other girls is an android who is helping Strange Juice, and the other one is this fake medium who's pretending to be, you know, a medium, pretty much. But she inherently has these powers through her bloodline, but she herself can't use these powers. She got screwed over by it. And essentially, he's trying to get back into his body, but he can't because there's these seals that prevent spirits from entering. So whoever entered his body knows that he's trying to get back into his body. And the whole point is the world is going to end, and he knows the world is going to end. There's this cat that comes up and tells him, hey, the world is going to end, and you have to get into your body to stop it. That's literally the premise of the show. (laughs) I mean, so far, to be honest, Gary, told me that premise while I was out. I, I, I my fate, to be honest, to just die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, he didn't get to the best part yet. You ha- yeah. there, it gets better. Yeah. So pretty much, he has this problem where, for some reason, if he looks at a woman's panties, he ends the world himself like the world just dies like it explodes that that was an ultra problematic sticker i'm just giving out there yeah so he's essentially a pervert who can't do the pervert thing because the world ends if he does and it has these crazy gameplay mechanics where the camera kind of forces you to look at these you know shots of the women in you know specific positions and you have to force the camera away from automatically trying to move into these shots and if you're there for too long the world ends and you got to start over and the cat tells you you're an idiot and to control yourself and he's like i can't and the cat's like you don't even have a penis anymore how are you still doing this (laughs) because like the bottom half of his body is like the little pony ghost thing (laughs) oh my word you guys just don't get I'm how so... fucking funny this game is. Like, there is just some moments where there's a moment in the game where the medium girl is going on this date, and you're supposed to get specific information, but the only way to do it is you have to possess her to get this information. So yeah. as you possess her, um, the uh, the guy who's dating 
was going on this date. He asked the other girls about the stuff that she likes. So you can, he, so he does better. He performs better on the date. And at this moment, you're the one who possesses her. So when they come and you, they ask you these questions, you get to pick what the answer is. And it's the most ridiculous answers you can have. So at the point towards the end of it, and when the date finally starts happening, you're not in her body anymore. And she's on this date, but you're watching this date. And essentially what had happened is I picked the things that she liked. So she liked uh, listening to hardcore rock, I believe it was, while somebody uh, marinates her with sumo wrestlers' names. While... Do you mean serenade? Yes, serenade. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm quite glad. I said no. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> context completely. Uh, <laughs> While feeding her, uh, what was it? I think it was like a jalapeno popper or something like that. I don't remember. Oh, it chicken seasoning. <laughs> and those are the decisions I made. And it's not because I wanted to make. It's because they were in Japanese. So I had no idea what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Dude, it could have been serenades or marinades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, I was in tears. And this entire scene playing out because it was the like facial reactions that she had about the stuff that was going on. And for me too, because I don't know what I picked. So he just starts randomly naming off names. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then it starts going into like their waist size and how big they were when they were sumo wrestling. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, but yeah, I was in tears. And I was on the headset with Tim, and I, I don't know if Chris was there, but he can vouch. I couldn't breathe for quite a while. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I was, I was, I was there. You sent, me, you sent me some pictures of, uh, like, one of what the cat said was really funny about slapping you with a penis or something like that. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, oh man I'm telling you like this it was one of the funniest games I've ever played. and I, I really want to watch the anime just because because like it sounds really stupid but towards the end of it the story is actually very very good when you really look at the whole of what's going on with this cult terrorist organization um, who Strange Juice really is uh, like Obviously, she's a superhero, but you find out that every time she dons the outfit and she gains these powers, that it does something very negative to her. And it's actually a very touching and sad moment. And there's other characters, and you learn about them. Like, there's a serial killer on the loose, uh, and he's kind of targeting one of the girls at, 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 uh, at the house that you're living in. And, like... Honestly, there's really an in-depth, very good story in this game that's just kind of hidden behind all this comical relief that's also there. Um, it's almost kind of like 
Buffy the Vampire story in a way, where it's very funny, but it also has these emotional moments, very deep emotional moments. Um, but yeah, I, I got to tell you guys, I'm so glad I took this, and it's probably one of the best visual novel games I will ever play. Um, I know there's a lot of good ones out there, like Steins Gate and stuff like that, but this one really did some stuff for me, and I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, can, can I just say, Gary, I'm, I'm really glad that you are saying it and, and talking seriously about it, because I know that um, the visual novel style games aren't really, you know, popular. No, they're not popular even enough to have a category on the, you know, the game awards, obviously, but they are a, otherwise a very popular genre among millions of people around the world. It's not really a niche category anymore. It's, it's, there are quality games out there now coming out like this. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's, I, I love that you're mentioning it because I think people need to kind of be, more open to different gaming experiences. And visual novels are a perfect example. There's a reason that Fate Stay Night is as big as it is now, and all because it was originally just a visual novel. Yeah. And, and so a lot of great things can come from them, and they're actually a great storytelling device. So I, I, I approve. Uh, I, you, you talk, when you reviewed it, you talked me into it, and I still am looking forward to playing it because it just sounds... <laughs> it just sounds like a phenomenal experience. Yeah, and, and the scene that you're talking about with the cat is the cat was mad at you because your actual body, whoever possesses your body, is not paying rent. And you're like, well, you're a cat living in this house, and you don't pay rent. And the cat responds by, if by paying rent you mean washing my dick, then yes. That was literally <laughs> the line. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. The picture that Gary sent me was just the, you know, the image of the cat, like, mid-pose saying, if you mean paying rent by washing my dick, then yes. And I'm like, what does this even mean? It was the most out-of-context random thing I've ever seen in my life. And the only um, thing Chris responded with was yes. Yes. (laughs) In the interest of time, uh, of time. Yeah, Alfonso. I have no more picks. He has no more picks. So that goes to me by default. I feel so, like we uh, should wrap up soon, though. Okay, well, I, I just want to pick this one more game. Okay. Just, just one more. Just one more. I'll give you one more game. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I want two. But I, I'm Fine, pick... I'll give you two more games. Alright, I'm going to pick two. <laughs> yeah, pick two in one game. Like I said, oh my 80, god! Don't do 101 games, though, because then you'll get cheater men. In fairness, they're not all that good. But first up, Death Road to Canada. Uh, See, this is why I let you have it. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was talking earlier about games in general, like uh, certain other games I picked. Death Road to Canada is another. It's, it's a roguelike in, in a lot of ways. But it's also very much like a text adventure of the old 80s style in terms of it has that in between. So uh, You have died of dysentery. Yeah, I mean, Christ, this is it. There is stuff like that. um, My friend streamed that uh, for the 24 hour, not the um, 
Death Row, but the one that gives you dysentery, I can't remember what the name was called now. Uh, um, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. And I actually got it. My character got it, and I survived. And like, how? they're like, how? <laughs> <laughs> Is it because you've been eating all the spicy I, I... <laughs> the, the only way I could think you survive. Um, anyway, Death Road to Canada is all right. On one one side of things is a text event where you know you, you pick your option. It's like, oh, this thing has happened. You decide to do about this uh, thing that's happened to you and your group as they go on the Death Road to Canada in a zombie apocalypse. Basically, the idea is you are traveling to Canada where it's supposedly safe and, and get you safe from a zombie vested America um, so there is that side of it where you're traveling in your car or um, and you get choices to so make it's based about. on a true story sure and yeah so you get your, your little things to do there and but in between you, you will have to go on Survival runs uh, in a sort of isometric. Uh, wait, you'll take your party to go to certain areas. It's like you decide if you're going to go to this place, this place, or this place, uh, and uh, loot the place, uh, fuel supplies, and and obviously as you do this, uh, swarms of zombies to to avoid while you do it, and you can lose party members while you do this and again going back to what we said about dead cells earlier where it's finishing the game isn't really the fun of it you know you have that is the main objective to get there is going to take a lot here is the same but to get to canada takes a certain amount of days of travel and you know you have to be in a car to travel fast enough to get there and in that time, if, if your car breaks down or whatever, then you're walking, and therefore longer to to get to the, the point you want to be. And along the way, you know, you'll you will have to pick up food for your party to survive. You will have to pick up supplies in terms of making getting to heal and uh, for weaponry as well. Depending on how it goes, what decisions you make is what get out of that situation and therefore every time you go through this run trying to get to Canada it doesn't work necessarily a lot of the time because you feel you get to that point where you feel like you are confident enough everything to work out and you, you carry on making it but you'll always forget something always will have something you didn't quite get that might be fuel that might be you walking on the road and get ambushed by some bandits, you lose out on all your equipment, which means the next time you come into a zombie encounter, you are fucked, basically. And or it might just be that you know you you try to fix your car without the uh, your current current character that want to do it, having the required skill to repair a car, and they electric shot themselves into a point of high damage. Uh, there's a lot of that. There's just a lot of humour to, to every situation where it's like dark humour. And each character can can injure themselves or die even. 
Okay. I think we lost Neil. This guy was a bit of an arrogant type. Alfonso was sounding a bit like a fixing cars, and he burned his nipples to death trying to do it. You know, it happened. This game is very much proof of that. And I don't think he stopped. We lost you for a minute there, Neil, and then he just kind of came back in. He just came back to burning the nipples. Well, I, I came in at the best. I came in at the best moment. Where did you lose me? Uh, the, the... Something about right before the burning nipples, man. Yeah, right before the burning nipples. I, I don't know. It depends how long I was. Um, it was like ten seconds. You weren't gone that long. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically, uh, Death Road to Canada is really good at taking the piss out of zombie apocalypse and the whole idea of how people survive together and their interactions together. And it, you can make the characters that go into it as well. So you can create a pool of characters. Who are, so if you want your friends to be in it, Gary, um, yeah. they, they can fail spectacularly as they do in most video games. And like it. You can, yeah, and, and you can blame them. You blame me for everything anyway. Did you make you a team with us, Bowie, Neil? Yeah, but this is what I mean. You yeah. get random. Get. So you can make everyone you know to be characters that might appear in the game. Do they might be people. Appear? Yeah. It's like, those characters might appear in the game as survivors that you pick up. They might appear as, uh, they might appear as people that, that do uh, trading and some trading posts for you. But yeah, it, it's, it's cool in that regard because if you get the little personality traits right, it, it's funny how they react to each other. It's it's a really simple system, but it works so well and it's it just so pleasing. And I, I think that's what I love about Different Together. Just in capture. And don't forget to mention too, uh, during uh, the uh, release was delayed uh, of that game, if you remember, um, due to the, uh, <clears throat> oh, what, what, what was the, uh, the shooting, I think it yeah, was. yeah, yeah, like the developers were, were wanted mm. to delay it out of, uh, out of a respect. I, I, I know a lot of people had a problem with it, but I, you know, I, kudos to the developers for trying to be respectful about everything, you know, yeah. at, at least they, at least they tried to be honorable about it, you know. That's it. I, I totally agree on that. It is. Honorable to do. It's the game that's really stuck here. Um, I'll quickly go through my other here because I have to. Pick it. I have to pick it because it would be criminal not to mention Hitman Two, and how bloody good Hitman Two is. It's more of the same. It's still, if if you loved Hitman Twenty Sixteen and everything that did in terms of just being a murder sandbox, this is more of that and so much more than that. And it's just great for it. And yeah, it, it's still fantastic uh, as games go. Yep, and 2 deserves a lot of praise and credit that it got. Again, it's another game that suffers for coming out when it did. And I think that's been a problem with Hitman its entire existence. Yeah. Always just, coming out at the wrong fucking time. I want to come out at the wrong time. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. <laughs> 
it, it, it can, it does. You <laughs> would always have an audience now. What it is, but we'd love it. I, I know plenty of people at the time. Disgusting that just adore it, everything it does, and that's cool. I'm glad there are people just that ignored other games for its sake. I mean, I was adoring, uh, we've talked about how much I love Dead Redemption 2, and yet Hitman 2 came out just a couple weeks later, and I forgot about Red Dead in that time and for a week or two because I just so enjoyed my time with Hitman because it's just. Yeah, just yeah. the excitement of going every level in that place, really uh, doing new things in it, is always... always find some new way. Always find some new way. Yeah, yeah. finds a way to kill. And uh, even recently, with the uh, the Sean Bean based uh, uh, elusive target, has been amazing. I mean, successful. I, I killed Sean Bean. I... It's not hard to do, apparently. Apparently, he dies in everything. In the middle of him, yeah, he, he, he's really hard. That's what I mean. But uh, yeah, I did not make a uh, elegant job of it, but I, I still did it. <laughs> what I love about the game, it just it just takes some absurd measures with the idea of murder. For, and, for, for my for my two cents, Neil, really quick. You're preaching yeah. to the choir for me. I have always loved Hitman. I absolutely love the Hitman series. One of these days when we have more time, I would love to wax on about Hitman a lot more. But but kudos to you for mentioning it. That that series, that game as a whole, is one of those old school games that you should go back and if you have a chance, check out any of the earlier games you may have missed. That They're all fun. They're all fun. They're all great. It's a fantastic series. Even the mm -hmm. bad ones are fantastic. There, you go. there is the bad Hitman. Exactly. Even Hitman, even Hitman Go was good. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Even the bad ones are great. But what I about mean, the movie? The original even game. Even the movies were good. Come on. I don't know. I don't the original, talk anymore. The I think original. you're done, Chris. All right, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, no. I think, uh, I, I think I spoke to this to Ben before. It's like having special episodes on certain games. Yeah. Oh, so I'd really love to do one. Absolutely love to do one. Hitman would be very good. Hitman one. Two currently thirty dollars on PSN. Yeah, you go. There you go, Gary. Go buy it. I I already did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hitman Two. Yeah, if it wasn't just more the same, then then it would probably be Game of the Year without a doubt. But and it, and it comes with all the missions from the first one, right? Yeah, and mm -hmm. they're they're not not just as they were. Like all the new stuff that is in Hitman Two carries over into these games into the old missions and uh, they remastered Hitman One. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> any extra additional people who already bought it, and, and I said this with the original Hitman. It's like it's one of the best games of service as a service games there were for what they kept adding to it as a and this is just proof purchase of, of everything they can do well. And yeah, so yeah, I agree. We will have to talk about this uh, as a series in the future properly. Mm -hmm. It is a fantastic game, Hitman 2, and deserves. Um, as, as we are coming to the end, I just want to share a couple of things. Just yeah, you know, if you good... want to do your shout out and oh, yeah, you know, before I do, 
Well, before I do shout-outs, I just remember a couple of games here and there that didn't get mentioned. Uh, I mentioned Yakuza 6 was a, a very good game. The Persistence and the XR were two very great VR games that uh, so much more. Uh, that they were two pinnacles of horror of VR. Shadow of the Colossus, uh, the, the remake, was just splendid. Yeah, how could you not love that game? It's amazing. I didn't and think it was out this year, to be honest. I know, that's why we were talking about this the other day with JP, and I said, I almost can't believe that it came out this year because I love it, but it seems like a million miles ago. But again, I played so many games before, since then, it is understandable. All I know is I can't wait to shout out Crash Team Racing next year. Oh. Yes. Uh, well, well, talking of actually good racing games, um, Onrush. Also deserves a mention here because Onrush, honestly, is, is the best. It's really good. Is it honestly, free right now on Plus? It is. And it is amazing. Oh, Neil, Neil, too, can I throw in there? Burnout Paradise Remastered. Yeah, I mean, that. Yes. Onrush, <laughs> Onrush is the perfect continuation of that idea. It's like, it's not about being first, it's about being the most stylish motherfucker. It's like SSH Tricky. Meets burnout, you know, and that mashed together, and that's Your why it's great. the best. SS tricky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I disagree, just simply because Rush is just. Mm. <laughs> it, it War, Warframe's yeah, my right? favorite Tony Hawk's game. All this talk is making uh, me miss Motorstorm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, and there's a bit of that. I love those two. The first two yeah. are great. A little bit of that, just a that's just a tinge. Yeah. Uh, Final uh, mentions Vampire by uh, Don't Nod. Uh, I still want to play that. It, it's very good. And uh, I will also mention quickly Prey Mooncrash as a probably the best piece of uh, DLC expansion of the year because, yeah, superb. Uh, that's it. Yeah, that, that's it. Uh, in terms of shout outs, uh, outside of that, um, you can find me as an editor on bloodydisgusting.com. Uh, where there's plenty of, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah wow, bloody disgusting dot com, right? Or what's your Twitter account? Uh, my Twitter account is uh, at Nesco. That's in the double Z. I meant bloody disgusting as well. Oh yeah, well that that, that self-explanatory. Uh, <laughs> it might be, but there's still people out there that want to know. Uh, yeah, so it is a. Uh, Sorry, I'll get there. I just uh... sorry. It's not bloody loaded. disgusting, dude. Shush, it's not. <laughs> there might be an underscore for all we know. Actually, actually, it's at at bd. Both capital letters. Disgusting. At be disgusting. Oh, uh, so twists. That, that twists and turns. I don't know anything. Don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, you can find all my stuff there and other. Writers that there, lots of talented writers with lots of great writing on there. Uh, so yeah, including uh, PSU's own uh, JP oh. Jones. So yeah, that's mine. Um, Alfonso. It's great to be back. I love it so much. This being on today just makes me feel so welcome. Shout out to the listeners, to all the followers. Shout out to PSU, all the members. Please follow them. They're amazing at what they do. Neil, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad that both of us got to be on for the 
Game of the Year episode. Yep. Ben for always being God. For Chris for always being him. Always making me laugh. <laughs> Auntie Gary, fight what you think of me. I still love you, crazy ass. Um, I still love you too. What the hell, man? Despite what you think of me, you think I hate you? Alfonso, <laughs> yeah, I, I miss do. you every yeah. day. Alfonso, yeah. uh, we love you. Yeah. All of us. I printed a Gary. photograph from your Twitter account just so I can look at it when I'm not on my phone. <laughs> at night, <laughs> in bed, it's, it's, and on the toilet. I had to stop him from making a like pajama set with your face on it. I said, no, oh Gary. God. He was like, dude, he was like, had his tongue out between his legs spread on the floor, coloring in dolly clothes that he thought you'd look cute in with no. a marker and going outside the line. I'm like, no, he doesn't adorable. want you to wear his face <laughs> on your pants, okay? <laughs> also, shout out to Tim. Uh, he just moves on. Doing <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're doing better. It's sad that you couldn't be on today's up, but we miss you. I love you. Yeah, shout out to him. Um, Gary, I guess. Yeah, shout out to you guys for having me on. Neil, always mm-hmm. great. good to have you back. Always fun, always fun. Alfonso, um, despite of what you may think of me, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, great to have you back. Um, I I did genuinely miss you and and your awesome voice and your awesome story, which fortunately we didn't get of today. I still hope to get a story from you, but um, yeah, Chris, mm-hmm. thanks for being on again. It's always fun when you agree and disagree with me. <gasps> I love you too, Gary. I've waited (laughs) to hear those words for so long. (laughs) I finally acknowledged him. Or, goddammit, Chris. You are the same person now. Uh, Tim, I hope you're feeling better, man. Uh, Missed you on this podcast. It's been, I think, two podcasts in a row now, man. WTF. Um, But yeah. And listeners, of course, as always. And you can reach me at Gagwalush, that's G-A-G-L-A-U-S-H, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, oh, can I give a quick shout-out to uh, Carmelo and R-Tree for Express Challenge? There you go. Um, Chris, <laughs> have you got shout-outs, and how can they stalk you? Um, my shout-outs to you guys. Love it. Neil and Alfonso, it's great to have you both back, at least for this occasion, and hopefully again in the near future. I love you both so much. Um, Love your stories and insights. Yeah. Uh, Gary, love you too. Ben, you're my my new favorite. Um, (laughs) Tim, love you, man. Miss you. To all the friends, fans, family, everyone out there who supports us. Um, if you want to stalk me, you can reach me at Twitter at Devangel. That's D-E-V-A-N-G-I-E-L. Yeah. And Ben, on to the monologue. Okay. Uh, I want to shout out to <laughs> Phoenix Down Radio, Klaus. Go check out phoenixdownradio.com. Shout out to twitch.tv just Madison Radio. Um, they've just recently rebooted their podcast. Go check them out. Um, they just had an eSports presenter on their show this week, actually. Um, 
Uh, go check out twitch.tv slash tank. Amazing folk. They're the folk that helped me get to Vegas. So thank you again. That was amazing of you. A shout out to um, twitch.tv slash Radio. We're going um, separate from Phoenix Down from 2019. So we're going to be an independent podcast. So Ooh. yeah, go check us out uh, when we get a website, which will be coming sometime in 2019. Um, exciting. Yes, yeah, it's, it's scary and exciting. Um, so, also go check, follow me on Twitter, MGR underscore Chili. That is me. Yay! Oh, and we're ending now, right? I think that's it. I want to give one big warning to everyone that exists at every moment in time because this needs a warning. And this is how I end the podcast with a downbeat sadness. Please do not fall into the big scam that's going on right now. Don't listen to that guy about his new console. It's not a new console. It's a scam. So please don't buy it. I don't even want to mention his name. You! Don't be fooled by that. He's going to crank that scam till it bleeds to death. Just go buy a PS4 Pro instead, it's cheaper. It really is cheaper. And it's better, because you won't get arrested. So till next week... (laughs) (laughs) Superman that eardrum. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Bye! Ta-ra!